Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Cutting It Close with Cliff Bailey. I am your host, Cliff Bailey. Before we jump into things, just a couple announcements. This uh, podcast is brought to you by Phazon Media. That's uh, my company. <laughs> and uh, we specialize, we, I specialize in, uh, I do stuff like this, audio production, as well as video editing services for local businesses, video production, photography, uh, print layout design, graphic design. So if you want to make your business look bomb diggity and you don't quite have the advertising or marketing budget of larger companies, give me a call or uh, contact me through uh, phasonmedia.com. As far as podcast goes, you can look it up at cuttingaclosepod.com. And uh, it's on the Twittergram at cuttingclosepod. That's uh, without the it in there. Just one word, cutting close pod. Twittergram. That's Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) Uh, And do please consider supporting the uh, podcast through patreon.com slash phasonmedia. Now, I do need to work on the rewards and stuff for that. But, uh, hey, if you dig in the podcast, then maybe uh, dig into your pockets and throw out a digital dollar. And uh, every little bit counts and uh, will help. Uh, help a ton so um, thank you for your consideration and just thanks for listening right now now right now i want to tell you about uh, my guest this episode a fellow by the name of jenkins he is a tall mustached bald man sometimes mustached always bald i believe now uh, who i met at the Swing Back to the 40s event in February, this uh, past February. Now, what is the Swing Back to the 40s event, you may ask? Well, it is an annual event every February, starting two years ago now, uh, which is a nonprofit event that benefits military charities. I believe this past year, the uh, proceeds went to Special Operations um, uh, wounded. Shoot, I can't remember the organization. Probably should look it up. Oh, well. Uh, this next year, it's going to benefit the Tripler Fisher House. And uh, it's just a good old time down at the Pacific Aviation Museum. Uh, this next year, February 2018, February 10th. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's February 10th, 2018, this next year. There's live music, swing dance lessons, a ton of fun. People get all... The, the ladies get dolled up, the fellows get decked out. And... Uh, it's just uh, a good, it's a good swinging time. Not Austin Powers swinging, but uh, swing dancing. So uh, consider that. Go ahead and uh, look it up on Facebook. Tickets are available, and they've they're uh, they're selling. They're selling tickets. Uh, seats are going fast. So check it out. So yeah, uh, that's where I met Jenkins for the first time. I was uh, emceeing the event, and he was giving swing dance lessons. So over the course of the evening, we. We, we crossed paths a couple times after it was all said and done. We were uh, a bunch of us were relaxing out back. Uh, came to find out he is actually uh, currently a corpsman in the Navy. So we, we discuss how he came to join the Navy, what it's like being a corpsman. Uh, I was trying to uh, now do uh, early release from his contract. Not super early, a little early to go back to school to earn a master's degree. And he is a total history nerd, which uh, was a lot of fun talking about. Uh, very interesting cat. We also talk about well, swing dancing, um, the arts, sports, uh, the Navy, suicide, exercise, uh, and how we, we both kind of hate it. 
uh, and uh, evolution, among many other things. Now, uh, suicide. I don't mean to make light of that. It is a subject near and dear to my heart. It's also a subject that's steeped in unnecessary and unhelpful stigma. You know, it's not something you just want to talk about over cocktails or uh, coffee necessarily, but it is a subject that will only get better the more it's talked about, I think. And the more we, we try to understand it and the state of mind people are in when they consider it. I mean, yeah, Jenkins points out that you, it's, it's not necessarily always born out of despair. Um, for him, it was just a matter of, of logic. And uh, I won't spoil too much of our, our interview with you uh, here and now. And, you know, even though it is, it's nevertheless a heavy subject, it's not the focal point of our conversation. It's just one of many subjects that, that comes up. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I, I myself have uh, contemplated uh, ending it all on more than one occasion over the years. Uh, I thank my lucky stars. I thank God that, you know, whatever it was, I, I, I didn't go through with it, obviously, um, and uh, was able to, to reach out to... I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to reach out for help, and that's, that's a problem. A lot of people are afraid to do that because uh, in the military especially, you know, and there, there, there's progress uh, towards making it right, but you know, in the military you're supposed to always be squared away and perception is reality, so if you're perceived as being weak or deficient or uh, going to affect negative, negatively affect battle readiness, then you know, you're a liability as opposed to an asset and um, people wrongly say that it could ruin a career um, but uh, you know I've, I've I know a few folks who have gone through with it because of similar aforementioned reasons folks who have considered it but have not gone through with it and they've had uh, fantastic chains of command who got them the resources they needed and helped them out a couple others who have less than favorable stories um, nevertheless, they uh, did get the resources they needed, ultimately, thank God. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a thing. Uh, not just military, but uh, something in, in that context that is near and dear because I, my uh, brief background uh, in the Navy and uh, Jenkins, uh, he also speaks publicly uh, to commands uh, for uh, this purpose to uh, destigmatize what what the the condition the phenomenon i don't know uh, to destigmatize the subject there we go sorry it's late i'm recording this uh, late at night um but yeah it's a conversation that needs to be had and it's it's something that shouldn't be shied away from shouldn't be afraid to talk about it just because you are talking about it doesn't mean you're considering it um although it is always better to err on the side of caution so anyway uh, last thing on that subject, if uh, if you happen to ever think about it or know someone who thinks about it, talks about it, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is always available to you. 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Might seem impersonal to call a number like that, but... In my experience, you just need someone to listen. Uh, yeah. 
anyway, uh, we get into that, and Jenkins uh, has—he's a, a very enlightened when it comes to the subject, and I hope you're able to take a lot out of it uh, uh, the same way I did. And I just hope you enjoy the conversation in general. Really nice gentleman to speak with, and uh, maybe we can get him on again before he heads out, although that's uh, about a few weeks away, so I don't know. But, uh, you know, Jenkins, hope you hope you had a good time with it. And, um, yeah, man, well, talk to you soon. And uh, thank you, dear listener, whoever you are, friends and family. Uh, spread the word. You know, tell people about the podcast. If you dig it, if you think other folks will dig it, then let them know. Uh, you can find an iTunes, Stitcher, uh, or just go to the website, cuttingaclosepod.com. Uh, but without further ado, here we go. Episode 6 with... Jenkins. Hang on a second. There's one last thing I forgot to throw in there. Um, a short film I've been working on, The Golem's Curse, shot it last year. It's going to go into post-production, but then Stormy was born, and then transitioning out of the Navy and starting school again, and all kinds of life crap just uh, prevented me from finishing this project up. And so over the last couple weeks, I've finally been able to get back into it, uh, and I'm editing the crap out of it, having a lot of fun. Uh, the Golem's Curse is about uh, three guys involved in a Dungeons & Dragons campaign, so nerd alerts. Um, and the DM, the Dungeon Master, the guy who runs the show, has a, uh, shall we say, rare old-school limited edition of the Monster Manual. But maybe it's not the Monster Manual. Hmm. Maybe it's something a bit more evil related to the dead, the evil and this strange book he finds. Anyway, uh, he has one of his friends in the campaign recite an incantation as part of the game, and then hilarity ensues. Now, a fun fact, um, it stars uh, two Army vets and one Navy vet, uh, DM uh, John Huser, Navy vet, also local actor here in Hawaii. Uh, you should check out his stuff, and then the, the two fellas... Uh, I don't know if they're going to go on to have acting careers or not, but uh, Creighton Gordon and uh, Colton Donovan. So we'll be looking for The Golem's Curse. Hopefully should be done uh, by the end of next month, if not before then. Um, next, I'm coming down to the end here of the, 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 the first edit and then start uh, trimming and cutting and finessing and tweaking, mixing the sound and all that fun stuff that goes into it. And then, of course, the visual effects uh, for The Golem. Uh, oh, spoiler. Whoops. Anyway, um, it's... Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, also starring uh, another good buddy of mine, uh, Army vet uh, Josh Slotnick. Really great guy. And, uh, yeah, a lot of fun making that. A lot of fun wrapping it up. Should be available in July. Uh, check it out, golemscurse.com. Yeah, I got that. And uh, there's a trailer up already, so yeehaw. A teaser. Teaser. It's a short film. I don't think it's going to be more than 20 minutes, maybe not even more than 15 minutes. Uh, we'll see. So anyway, uh, just want to throw that in there, and uh, here we go now for realsies with Jenkins. Twenty or so. Mm-hmm. It's like, guys, I'm sorry. Most of you know I used to be a junior high teacher, and every once in a while, I kind of get back in that mode, and I start mm-hmm. talking that way. And you know, I, I apologize for doing that, and I'll try to watch myself in the future and, and try to keep us from doing that. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, great, okay, great, that's fine, that's great. And one of them later on, who is, I still talk to her this day. I helped her pick out her wedding dress. I was at her wedding, the whole thing. <laughs> And she was like, you totally just called the entire group junior hires and nobody caught it. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
It's like, that's how you apologize. You get, everyone picks up on the apology and uh-huh. nobody catches the insult. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you have the option to wear headphones if you want to. Um, right. It's kind of cool because you can hear yourself and it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> I've done radio stuff a little bit, but it's been a long time ago. Oh, okay. So we'll start it. And if I take them off because it's throwing me off. Yeah, then of course. And if you get warm, I can turn the fan on. We're already warm. So if you can throw that on already. Okay, you got it. I was born for the Arctic, not the tropics. Likewise. So, <laughs> you know, I, I learned um, that uh, we actually naturally evolved um, to, with, to for colder climates, mm-hmm. which is uh, an interesting uh, fun All right, fact. Where do you need me to sit in relation to this? Um, you're great. Okay. Actually, you've got a good voice. You project, yeah, and uh, you sound you're sounding good. I'm not usually. I've never really had. Can you speak up? Be a problem. I've never. <laughs> Unless I'm trying to whisper, they're like, okay, he went from everyone can hear him to now no one can hear him. Yes. Um, no, we can hear you great. Okay. Um, so, yeah, thank you for, for being here, for being on this. Of course. We've only met once, um, and uh, that was just once, right? We never I met. Believe, I believe so. Uh, swing back to the 40s was the first time we met, and mm-hmm. I could just tell you're an interesting fellow. And uh, <laughs> I could be a good or a bad thing. Well, I had no idea, A, that you were in the Navy. Right. Um, until after the whole thing was over. And then seeing you teach the swing dancing was amazing. Um, right. I, I love swing dancing. I haven't done it in years, so I'm not sure how much I actually love it. <laughs> but I enjoy it. I really enjoy the idea of it. Um, Jen wants to get into it. so I might know again. These days. Yeah? <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. How did you get into that, swing dancing? Uh, the story of many guys, pretty girls. Yes, that is That's a great ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually started off. I was a dancer my whole life. Better part of thirty years, I've been dancing through you know community classes and mm. ballet and jazz and tap and no kidding, doing all that as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, I was actually the short, scrawny kid growing up. Oh, which is funny now, being six three and two hundred and fifty pounds. Puberty was good to you. One summer was really, really good or bad, depending on your perspective. Oh, yeah? Uh, I grew eight, eight inches and gained 50 pounds that summer. Wow. So I didn't just grow. It was like uh-huh. somebody hit a grow gun, and it just... <laughs> I wouldn't just knock the cup of water over. I would launch it, reaching for it. It was... I grew up on a farm. I grew up working on a horse farm. I didn't grow up on the farm, but next door. Oh, no kidding. Uh, so I didn't just grow tall. I grew strength because I was working. Mm-hmm eight, ten-hour days on the farm, yeah. know, as I could as a kid. Okay. I uh, couldn't drag a five-gallon bucket of water and then throw in hay bales by the time I was 18. Mm-hmm. So, slight difference. That's awesome. Um, but then on top of that, so again, I was always the kid out dancing. Uh-huh. I was always the kid. I just loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the sports thing when I was 13, 14. Okay. The whole, like, I'm going to be a man and <laughs> yes. play sports and do the things. Uh, and <laughs> I was good. Balls. I was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it just was like... This is entertaining, but I don't mm. particularly care. Right. Uh, so I was like, let's go back to dancing. Okay. That's more fun. Yeah. Uh, so I did that in theater as well and, uh-huh. and all of that. Uh, and again, when you're, you know, the shortest kid in the group mm-hmm. and you're the dancer, actor, mm-hmm. I know that life. Yeah. So. Tend to get overlooked. You know, whatnot. it's, I hear it now and it's always that mentality of like, okay, well, it's not too often that the biggest guy in the room is the dancer. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. So love dance, always been really good at it. Awesome. Uh, went to college, uh-huh. uh, and first week of college, you know, the orientation, everybody figuring out everybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody at the school. Where'd you uh, go? Uh, my first college I went to was Hillsdale College in Michigan. Okay. Small school, 1,200 students. Wow. So everybody knew everybody. Sure, sure, sure. I didn't know anybody. Okay. I had actually applied that July. Okay. It was very late. Wow. Complete decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't even know if I was going up until the week before, mm-hmm. uh, just because of money and trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. So I went uh, and just kind of 
whoever I could connect with, I kind of connected with. And there's a group of people went, hey, we're going to go do swing dancing over in front of the theater building. And I went, I don't know what that is, but she's pretty and she's going. So therefore, I'm going. Indeed. <laughs> as, as it happens. And yes. the, my natural ability plus the background in dance, I picked things up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am glad that there were no video cameras everywhere as there are now. Okay. Because, yeah. Oh, Lord, everything that you would do wrong to learning to dance, I was doing, uh-huh. trying to figure out how to do partner dancing, which ah. is very different than ballet, which has some partnered, but not really sure. jazz, tap, all that kind of thing, which mm-hmm. is synchronized partner dancing versus social dancing, which right. is just free form and everybody kind of knows what's going on, but mm-hmm. there's no choreography. You're just right. freewheeling it. Just so, going, going with it. And just had an ability, ended up getting into it, ended up teaching, uh, assistant teaching with dance at the college. And just fell in love with it and mm-hmm. just kind of kept, I taught it professionally for a few years as well. No kidding. So I really enjoyed it and I just kind of kept going with it. So it's more hobby now, but okay. still teach here and there, uh-huh. private lessons, group lessons, wherever. Obviously, the, the Swing Back to the 40s event. Right, right, right. Uh, which is always an adventure because you never know who you're going to get and how many you're going to get. Mm. The first year we did lessons, there was maybe 30 people on the floor. Okay. 30, you know, 15 couples, give or take. Mm-hmm. And that was probably towards the end as people kept filling in and coming in the door. Right. Because we did it right just like as an doors open kind of a thing. It wasn't really structured. Mm-hmm. And we realized obviously this past year we needed to make it a little bit structured mm-hmm. and kind of wait a little bit longer than just right away when the doors open. Right. And so then we ended up with lots a hundred people at least on the floor uh-huh. give or take so when you're trying to teach a group lesson that's meant to just be a a random kind of we're going to be doing this all night so this is what you actually do right kind of thing mm-hmm. uh it's a little bit more improvisation excuse me improvisational right and being able to obviously being able to teach on the fly mm-hmm. while it still was planned mm-hmm. you know because again you never know you're trying to watch okay, can I go on to the next step, the next turn, the next move? Mm-hmm. Does it look like 70% of the people have got it? Right. Because some people just are never going to get it, mm-hmm. and they're just going to have fun, and that's okay. Yeah. Versus, you know, the people who are like, okay, I learned this five minutes ago. Can we move on to the next thing? Mm-hmm. So you have to balance that out. So being able to do that while observing the whole crowd, mm-hmm. watching everybody come in, because, of course, being on the board of directors, too, you're also maintaining a visibility for the entire room of what's going on. Right. Uh, working with, of course, the MC and the musicians mm-hmm. and everybody else. So mm-hmm. trying to do that in the back of your head mm-hmm. while teaching a dance lesson to 100 people, mm-hmm. thank God I have the experience. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Might have, might have lost what little hair I have left on my head at this point. <laughs> yeah, I saw a picture uh, where you had quite a, a full head of hair. It was many, many eons ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, genetics. Yeah, well. Such is life. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just I rock the bald look now because I have to. Mm. Well, you you rock it well, rock it like oh, was like, like a hur- hurricane. Hurricane is that the song? Torpedo? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Tornado? Anyway, yes. I don't know. Torpedo? I don't know where they got it. You do it well, sir. Well, thank you. Yes, yeah. yes. So, college in Michigan. Um, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? On a farm. That's that's cool. My dad sure. grew up on a farm. I grew up in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. I grew up in New Hampshire. Okay. One oh, those, I think we talked about that. One of those little tiny states that nobody really knows exists. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because in the population of New Hampshire, in New England. New England, yeah. the old New England life. Yeah, uh, a few years ago, so I don't know exactly what the numbers are, mm. but I happen to just be looking at different things and something looked familiar. Mm-hmm. Population of New Hampshire is roughly the population of Dallas, Texas. Wow. So okay. to give you an idea, a lot of the state of New Hampshire is very much woods. And okay. forests. Of course, the mountains up there, the White Mountains. Sounds lovely. 
beautiful. We always joke we have five seasons in New Hampshire. Yeah. Spring, summer, winter, fall, tourist. Ah. And that is very true, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Fall in New England. That's what I hear. Pictures don't do it justice. Mm-hmm. Pictures are beautiful. Yes. It's nothing like standing in the middle of it looking around. Absolutely. So I grew up there, uh, like I said, on a, a horse farm. Mm-hmm. It was actually a rescue farm. Mm. So most of the horses there had been abused, neglected. Mm. Some retired racehorses, so they weren't necessarily, nothing bad had happened. They sure. were just old, retired, and same from the, the owners didn't want to bother spending money on them anymore. Same from Elmer's. Exactly. Yeah. So it uh, wasn't a problem from there. Um, so I grew up, they had usually three to four horses at a time, depending on what was going on. Mm-hmm. And grew, like I said, grew up with that and loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, hard work is not anything that I've ever been afraid of. Mm. I'm not a fan of working outside. That's not my personality. Mm-hmm. I'm very much more of the academic, very much more of the dancer inside sure. kind of world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to get out and you know grab a backhoe, grab an axe, grab a shovel, whatever it is. It's yeah. like, well, okay, I guess we're going outside today. Yeah, there you go. And Get a good and workout, right. nothing else. Yeah, like, good. <laughs> it's true. Nothing will tire you out faster than actually working outside. Mm-hmm. I don't care about any physical training sessions. That's nothing compared to putting a shovel in the ground for eight hours. Doing something. <laughs> like, Accomplishing something. Which is a lot better, too, because I've never mm-hmm. been to want to go to the gym and yeah. lift weights for an hour, because I'm like, I've accomplished nothing, and I feel dead. Yeah. What is going on right yeah. now? Yeah, I mean, in a way, you are doing, I mean, you're, you're exercising, you're circulating your blood and all that jazz, but it, yeah, it just seems futile. It's just kind of like, kind of. I'm now exhausted. Okay, you're stronger. Great. Couldn't <laughs> we go do something? Yeah. Well, you know, the way I understand it is uh, before the Industrial Revolution, everyone was pretty much fit because everyone was farming and gathering and working to survive and live, and then... Once people started working in factories and offices, that's when, you know, modern America started to set in. True. Uh, And being a student of history as well, certainly learning Mm -hmm. that. It's interesting that over the course of the last couple hundred years, Mm -hmm. the average human has gotten larger, Hmm. but actually weaker, genetically speaking. Interesting. So the average height every 75 to 100 years, roughly, Mm -hmm. grows about an inch. Hmm. Is that because of the food? Food, ability, Hmm. uh, health has gotten better. And especially in the last 500 years or so, Mm -hmm. it's incredibly lost. Because again, Mm. the Industrial Revolution, Mm -hmm. globalization of things. Right. So we've gotten gotten bigger. We learned about learning about the human body, musculature, Mm. skeletal, Mm -hmm. health, medicine, all of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, 200, 300 years ago, if you were sick, they just cut you open and let blood pour out and hoped that that worked. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we've since realized that's not the best approach to things. Oh, kind of need that blood. Kind of important. Yeah. Uh, they were onto something though, because they mm-hmm. realized that there were certainly elements of blood that sure. were causing the problem. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. losing all of the blood was not good. Right. But that's why we do things like blood transfusions now, because right. there is there was a certain part of it that was working. Mm-hmm. Just ask George Washington. It's not mm-hmm. the greatest idea. That's <laughs> how he died. In case you didn't know. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> he was sick, bloodletting, and whether they let out two blood or just it didn't recover it, but that's actually how he died. Oh, okay. It's a random little history tidbit for you there. No idea. Yeah, I'm not a student of history. I'm a dilettante at best. Well, fair I enough. like a lot of different things. So the average the average human's grown taller. So while you have you know, me at six three is still above average, mm-hmm. George Washington at six three the giant. was well above average. Yeah. So the average, depending on which study you look at now, the average male height in America mm-hmm. is five Ten to six foot, mm. depending on which study, which medical journey you look at. But that's mm-hmm. pretty close to the same. Yeah. In the colonial America, the average men's height was five seven to five nine. Oh, okay. So again, Washington at six three. Yes. There's a reason when he walked in a room, everybody paid attention. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And again, based on 
his uniforms, which of course the Smithsonian has a few of his uniforms, mm. he really he was about my size. Huh. When the average men's height was six to eight inches shorter, mm-hmm. depending upon where you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a reason when he mounted a horse and rode into battle at the front line, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't even care what's going on. I'm, I'm following this guy. I don't yeah. even know. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's kind of the difference of it is it's weird how kind of the human body works. And mm-hmm. we've gotten stronger but weaker at the same time because, yeah, people are doing office jobs and right. things like that. Mm-hmm. And we care more about our health and less about our well-being. Yes. It's all about uh, appearances. Oh, giving up appearances. Yeah, because true uh, perception is reality, right? I may have heard that before. Yeah, once or twice. <laughs> once or twice a day. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so grew up in New Hampshire, college in Michigan. How did you land on uh, on that that school? Uh, so I went to Michigan for a year and a half. Okay, uh, and then transferred. Transferred a couple of times. Okay, uh, but I went out there uh, because I went to study constitutional law. Hmm. That's what I left high school wanting to do. Okay, uh, and Hillsdale College is very much a political school in the conservative bent mm-hmm. uh, it's almost an understatement <laughs> um, if you were to say that to anybody who knows anything about Hillsdale mm-hmm. they would laugh because that's it's a it's an ultra conservative very very right-leaning college mm. uh, they make a lot of different claims which I'm not going to go into now yeah but you know it just is it's a very very conservative school okay very much all about founding fathers mm. and you know, constitutional ideals like, and things like that. Close ties with the Heritage Foundation or something? Heritage Foundation is part of Hillsdale. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember their exact ties, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they are direct. They are oh. directly connected to. Gotcha. Um, like I said, it's been a while, so I'd have to go back and look. But mm-hmm. yes, that if you're thinking Heritage Foundation, you know Hillsdale. Okay, gotcha. So I went out there to study constitutional law mm-hmm. uh, and loved it and um, spent some time out there. Like I said, I ended up moving back. Uh, just because of financially is- or excuse me, financial issues, family issues, mm. uh, loved the school, but just couldn't afford to go back. Mm. Life of a college student. Sure. Uh, so still have some friends from there. A few friends I still talk to on a that's cool weekly basis, even very nice. So it, it, not that's always the rare. people you think you're going to talk to, right? Yeah, how that works. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, spent some time there. Uh, loved it. Didn't go back, unfortunately, and then went to a couple community colleges just trying to keep in the vibe of college and sure. community college is high school with ashtrays. was always my <laughs> yes. definition of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. Mm-hmm. It gets you what you need to do. As a fan, are you getting some ventilation? It's good. It works. Okay, I'm, cool. I'm still warm, but story of my life. Yeah. Oh, trying to avoid... Uh, no, I got you. You're good. It's it's good. There you go. Uh, it works out. Mm-hmm. So community colleges, did you ever um, end up with a degree? or? Uh, I actually did. So I ended up going to Gordon College in Massachusetts. I've heard of that. Yes. It's been, in, it's been in the news recently. It has. For some very heavy, again, without going into the whole dynamics, uh-huh. but the fact that it is a Christian college, it has a very strong anti-homosexuality bent. Okay. And there was a letter that went out to President Obama at mm. the time, so this is now two, three years ago, Okay, that a, a number of Christian leaders around the country, mm-hmm. I want to say... Like 17 or 20 Christian leaders around the country, churches, pastors, ministry leaders, mm-hmm. uh, a couple schools, a couple things like that, all signed. Mm. And basically it was simply saying, it, it was asking for a federal exemption as a religious institution from anti-discrimination mm. policies. Mm-hmm. I'm incredibly shortcutting what the whole argument was, so if I miss no, it slightly, so be it. But just to give you an idea of why it was in the news, sure. the president of the college was one of the signatures on that letter, mm. basically saying, hey, we are a Christian school. We don't believe in homosexuality. Mm-hmm. 
you know, can we have an exemption from this clause that says we don't believe in the lifestyle, regardless mm-hmm. of the person's beliefs or attractions. Mm-hmm. We don't believe in the lifestyle. Therefore, we're not going to hire anyone who is living that lifestyle. Uh, Which, again, regardless of your personal opinion, mm-hmm. it kind of goes, does the school have the right to do that as a private institution? Right. And that's that whole public versus private. Right. Yeah. Big debate. Yeah. Actually, where I heard about it, um, my podcasting idol, Pete Holmes, went there. Ah, yes, I do know. Not, I know Pete Holmes on a knowing who he is kind of. Right, right, right. Do you listen to his podcast? Uh, a little bit. Okay. A little bit here and there. Um, yeah. I actually, since you'll appreciate this, he went and came back and did a show at the college while I was a student there. Oh, no way. And it was funny. He was laughing because he's up in the, you know, the chapel, which is the, uh-huh. the biggest room we have in the school. Yeah. And he's on the stage and he's cracking jokes like an insider because uh-huh. he is. Yeah, yeah. And so he was talking about, you know, here I am cracking jokes and here I am on this <laughs> chapel, you know, uh-huh. like... And he's like, I'm sure there's some people up in the balcony sleeping right now. And everyone laughed because that's pretty much how it works during mm-hmm. our normal yeah. required weekly chapel session. So mm-hmm. it's just the, the cracking jokes left and right. That's awesome. The funny part is he called me out in the middle of his show. No way. Because my laugh is fairly distinct. Okay. Especially when I'm really laughing and laughing hard. Uh-huh. I think it was added by the fact that I was like two rows behind his parents. Okay. So he was already kind of keyed in on that area of, course. of the chapel audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he definitely, he said something. I laughed hard, but I was one of like four people that laughed at okay. that particular joke. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he just stopped and was just like, what the heck was that? <laughs> and I laughed again. And he was like, you don't fake that. Like, not again. Yeah. And he kind of went off for... 30 seconds on my laugh. Oh my gosh, that's great. Which is a very deep, uh, I believe his description was Count Chocula, <laughs> which is very much, very similar to what my laugh is. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. and which is funny because then I had other friends who I didn't know were at the show. They didn't know I was at the show until that point. Okay. And that's all he said was Count Chocula. And uh-huh. everyone was like, oh, Jenkins is there. Okay. <laughs> like, it was just, that's all he had to say. And people knew uh-huh. I was somewhere in the audience. That's awesome. Yeah. I, don't uh, I, I started listening to this podcast uh, about four years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just I uh, really enjoyed his um, uh, faith journey. Um, okay. You know, growing up traditional evangelical, that's how I grew up as well sure. uh, in North Carolina, and then having a kind of a falling out moment. His and, and our triggering events were kind of the same divorce um, and stuff, and okay. uh, then uh, yeah, it's just been really interesting. But um, one of his most recent episodes. Um, he talks to an old friend from Gordon College, and they talk about their experience at oh, school. Okay. So I don't know if you'd be interested in that or not. But. I might have to check that out. It's always fun hearing other people's mm-hmm. opinions of the school, especially in light of some of the recent events there. But just in yeah. general, yeah. You, know, you know, Gordon has, or at least when I was there, Gordon has roughly 1,600 students. Mm. Mm-hmm. So some bigger than the first school I went yeah, to, but pretty small. <laughs> they call it the bubble for a reason. Of course. It's, a, it's an insular campus as opposed mm-hmm. to Boston University or UMass, which is you know spread out throughout the city. Mm-hmm. It's literally one campus you, you could almost put a track around it and you'd mm-hmm. have the entire campus mm-hmm. uh, so everybody knows everybody mm-hmm. and it being in a very small new england town mm-hmm. mm. there's there's nothing around it you're right. not going to go hang out in the town because <laughs> it consists of like a walgreens and the train station which takes you into boston and mm-hmm. like a few other little tiny places mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's a small small town that uh, is great but not anything you're going to go hang out on on a regular basis. Oh, uh, sure, sure, sure. So yeah. uh, it's good in that sense. But mm-hmm. So what, what drew you there then? Sagan? Uh, like, so you started off in uh, Michigan, then community colleges, then ended up at Gordon with uh, graduating from there? So I was there from 2004. I transferred in that <laughs> spring. Okay. And I left in 2008. Okay. 
I did not graduate. Oh, I beg your pardon. Nope, it's fine. Okay. I did, but not right away. Okay. So I left, uh, again, just having spent the better part of seven years in full-time college, mm-hmm. I was done. I was just spent. Sure. Had nothing left. There you go. Yeah. Uh, my parents were very kind. They basically said, come home. Mm-hmm. This is like right before finals week. I just decided I was done. Oh, okay. Yeah, not when you want to go, but yeah. if you're done, you're done. Hey, it's, hey, uh, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I didn't want to either because it was kind of throwing not only that semester away, but a lot of years of college away. Mm. Uh, but again, that struggle of just... I, well, it's time. Yeah. is time. Yeah. And when you so got to go, you got to go. My parents basically said, if you're done, come home. Mm. Start on the job search a couple weeks earlier than everybody else coming home. Mm. And do what you need to do. Yeah, we don't want you to come home. We'd want you to finish the semester. But mm. if you need to, then you need to. Well, that's, that's So good, it gave huh? me a chance to breathe. I ended up staying, finished that semester, talked to some professors. Mm found out I was not quite in as bad of academic situation as I anticipated. Hmm. You know, I was expecting like, well, if you ace the final, you might pass. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, and I ended up talking to some professors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they worked with me on some, you know, some of the papers that were due mm. on the exams, just kind of do what you can. And mm-hmm. if there's something where I think you're close, I'll come back and ask you maybe to explain it more. So how many times do you get a chance to go back on a final? Yeah. And, you know, give that's a little awesome. bit more maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, since, you know, being a history degree, mm. they're more essay type questions as opposed to math, which it's yes or no. You know, there's yeah. no science. Yes right. or no. I like the answers where you can just kind of synthesize something new as long as you can demonstrate yeah. a working knowledge. If you can kind of tie in your answer to the question, then yes. maybe you get points. <laughs> yes. That's exactly how it is. Yes. I do that on a regular basis. There's a reason my first degree is a BS. <laughs> just <saying. laughs> So I did that. Um, like I said, I ended up with... I think a B and two C's for mm. the three classes I was taking. Mm. So mm-hmm. pretty good overall yeah. as far as being ready to walk out before finals were over. Sure. Uh, left, did a whole myriad of things. And mm-hmm. my friends like to joke, it's easier to ask what jobs haven't I done because it's a shorter <laughs> list. Ah, uh, yes. There's some truth to that. I can relate. So mm-hmm. what do you attribute <clears throat> that to? You're like, you just had a hard time kind of nailing down what, what you're really into, what your heart is. is uh, so a lot of it, of course, beat. is just economy. Mm. At a certain point, you realize you're working a job and you're just not making enough, so okay. you're going to try to find something else. Sure. I am fortunate in the sense of I don't have a family of my own, mm. so it's just my own bills I'm trying to take care of and, right. and figure out. Right, right. But, you know, you try to help out the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father's a stroke survivor, so oh. there's some medical bills and things like that. Mm. My mother's a cancer survivor, so oh, there's wow. some medical bills. Yeah. Lots of things. Sure. Uh, so taking care of that was fine. And just kind of life, not really finding a job that mm. I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not even really knowing what I enjoyed. It was just yeah. find a job certain points. It was, I don't even care what I'm doing. I have to just start making money. So I'll take the minimum wage mm-hmm. graveyard shift job. And right. I mean, I love graveyard shift anyway. I've always preferred it, but mm. doing the job you hate just cause you need a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I briefly worked. It was, it was a week job. It was only supposed to be a week Okay. for uh, doing artificial insemination of pigs. And oh. I was on the collection team. Oh boy. <laughs> So we'll just let everybody listening <laughs> do the math on that one. Yes. Uh, I was also told I was a natural, which is a slightly terrifying like compliment. That's, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so bottom line is I will do anything I need to to provide for myself. Right, right. Because uh, once you do that, the idea of you know shame and embarrassment goes way out the window at that yes. point in time. Yes, yes. Do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. So fast forward through all that. Uh, ended up joining the Navy, of course, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then through, of course, tuition assistance the Navy provides, that took the financial aspect of completing the degree out. There you go. And worked hard just trying to find the right classes because 
uh, Gordon does not like online classes. Mm. So there was some debate, discussion, trying to find something. And it was actually my foreign language. I needed two classes. My foreign, it was my foreign language, two semesters. Mm-hmm. And then it was a nonprofit management class for my concentration. Okay. So it was literally three classes. I left three classes away from my bachelor's. Gotcha. And just trying to figure it out, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually made it work. And just this past December, finished my bachelor's for good. Congratulations. Thank you. So it was a very hard fought one. And I just applied and actually just got into a grad school now. So I'm going to go after the master's. And Right on. And of course, with the GI Bill, it'll be a lot faster. Indeed. Because <laughs> yes. you only have three years to use it. Yes. So there's no messing around with yeah. that one. Master's in what? Uh, museum studies. Oh, cool. Which is actually what my undergrad is in as well. Very cool. Oh, I think we discussed that too. Uh, back, I think, around the swing back of that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So which just proves that I'm a giant nerd. Yeah, because my degree is actually in museums. You're a good it's company. Just, <laughs> just the way it is. Although again, I like um, I, I I kind of embrace the term nerd, but I I don't feel quite qualified to because I, I, there's not one thing that I focus in on because I like so much stuff. I don't think that there's necessarily there needs to be one thing that yeah. you focus in on. Hmm. I mean, so everybody's classic go-to nerd examples right now, of course, Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yes. Which I don't watch Same here. all the time. Mm. I love it when it's on, but yeah. I don't own a TV, first of all, anyway. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> step one, if okay. I happen to catch it on Netflix or YouTube or mm-hmm. happens to be on a TV when I'm walking by, I'm not doing anything. I do enjoy it. It's a hilarious show. Mm. But even those are nerds. They have a lot of varieties in what they do, too. And that's... True. I don't really know what the, you know, the typical nerd mm-hmm. thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a hilarious in uh, description and it was one of those like meme kind of examples mm-hmm. and it, it, it was the description of the, a nerd versus a geek mm. what's the difference between the two right and so it was like finish this phrase may the force be <laughs> mass times acceleration yes <laughs> there's the difference between a nerd versus a geek okay so right uh, it kind of very succinctly summed up that difference so mm. I am a giant nerd in the sense of I am very much an academic, very much mm. the, all those kind of things that fall into it. Okay. Uh, don't fit inside the normal, you know, it's a nerd, jock, cheerleader, <laughs> emo, right? Those are the four high school categories, right? Something, Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So it's like you have to fall into one of those categories, and mm. which I don't think you do in life anyway, but no. somehow life is one giant high school, it seems like, half the time. Pretty much. So, yeah. I fall into that category, I guess, between all of those. But hmm. the irony is, again, you yeah. know, I'm I'm built like an athlete, but I'm a giant nerd. You're so a renaissance man. The nerds enjoy having me around. Sure. I'm the guy who can protect everybody. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to put who in a locker? Yes. Good luck. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, how did you come to join the Navy? Was that your first choice or, like, were you in a kind of a bind or what was? Sure. What? So, I, it's always funny hearing. Service. Right, right, right. Uh so the first thing is, I did briefly look at the Air Force. It was never mm. a real consideration, mm-hmm. uh, which is certainly nothing against the Air Force. It no. was just, I was always pretty much Navy or nothing. Okay. Uh, I did take, it's not formally a branch of service. Everyone <laughs> will go into that discussion, but Coast Guard. I did, ah. I did look seriously at the Coast Guard as well. Mm-hmm. Still the whole ships thing. That was pretty much the draw. Okay. And... The sea calls to you? Apparently. <laughs> Except it's funny because I don't like water. Ah. So my friends all laugh about that. <laughs> I planned on being on the water, not in the water. There Big difference. Yes. If I was in the water, probably much severe things were going on if mm, I was in the water exactly. at that point. Mm-hmm. So I uh, had always looked at the Navy. Uh, first choice as far as why did I join, mm-hmm. it was actually something I'd always wanted to do. Mm. You know, and I eventually did join at 30 years old, a little mm. bit later than 
the vast majority. There's certainly plenty of people that join later, but I was 31. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> there, there are definitely many that do, mm-hmm. but 70% at least is in that yeah. 18 to 22 year old gap. Right. By far and away. Oh yes. So I was trying to figure out what to do. You know, I was kind of stuck in another, I just don't really know what to do with my life mm-hmm. phase. Sure. And, uh, a friend of mine who's in Coast Guard, he's been in 12 years now, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. I mean, he planned on doing his 20 and debating getting out at that point. Mm-hmm. He had told me, he's like, why don't you think about doing the Navy? You've been talking about that as long as I've known you. And he, we met in high school. Mm-hmm. So it's a you know, better part of a decade. I'd thought about it. Had talked to recruiters a couple of times over that decade, but never really any serious conversations. You getting some And breaks? yeah, we're good. The right. air is good there. Cool. So... Had some good conversations, but it was never anything I really like. All right, let's try to actually do this. Let's do the MEPS thing. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. It was always just kind of informational conversations. Mm-hmm. Got to that point a few years ago. Hit a pretty low point. Was like, I literally don't know what else to do with myself. Mm. So he suggested just try it. Go through the process. Uh, he's like, you're going to be older. So you don't really have to worry about the mind games and mm-hmm. the recruiters telling you promises they can't really <laughs> likely have any control over. Uh-huh. So you're going to see through that. So that's going to be less of an issue, hmm. which is pretty much the first time a recruiter, who they have a tough job. I'm not going to yeah. nick any recruiters either. Sure. Just like every other job, they all have performance quotas they have to meet. Course, so I get yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But first conversation I had with him, he started to go a little bit off the deep end of, I don't think you actually have any control over what you're telling me that we can do. <laughs> and so I looked at him. I was like, I'm 30 years old. I've been around. I've seen a lot. If you don't try to BS me, I won't lie to you. Hmm. And he just kind of was like, noted. Okay. And that kind of <laughs> changed the whole tone of conversation. Sure. And it was it was fine from there. Hmm. But uh, it was just kind of that thing. I'd always thought about the Navy. Uh, definitely a, a little bit of a legacy hmm. from my family. My uncle, who my middle name is from, oh. was a Navy submariner mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of years. Uh, they actually offered him chief to stay in, but he wanted to raise a family. And his wife basically said, kids are Navy. Mm. I'll be the best wife ever, but you don't get to have both. Yeah. So, which is fair. She didn't want to be a single mother. Absolutely. Who was married. Yeah. So, That's rough. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, he doesn't, you know, I don't fault him for that. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, it was his choice. It was, she's literally said, I'll be whatever you need me to be, but mm. you know, I can't do both. Right. Seems fair to me. Mm-hmm. So... It was great. You know, I didn't really grow up with him, but knowing he was there. Uh, my grandfather on my mother's side was Army. Okay. Army Air Corps in uh, Korea. Mm-hmm. And my other grandfather, my father's father, I just found out was a Navy cook during World War II. Wow. No idea what ship, don't know where, don't know. I literally just found out a couple of years ago. Crazy. I like literally already in the service found out that my grandfather was in. Huh. My father doesn't ever remember him being uniform. Mm-hmm doesn't remember him talking about it my Hmm. grandfather died when i was 10 or 12 in there so not really enough to talk about it yeah and he was out of the service before my father was born okay so and again in that that era that generation they don't really talk about Mm -hmm. their service unless they're pointedly asked right so that's kind of different but the fact that it was actually my grandfather and two of my great uncles Mm -hmm. three out of the four brothers all joined the service Hmm. And they joined Navy, Army, Marines, which were the three branches that existed at the time. Sure, yeah. And so I have a very cool picture of the three of them in their uniforms uh, somewhere in mm-hmm. World War II. And like I said, that was all just a couple years ago I found out. Wow. So we're now trying to work with the National Record Center, trying to get the records nice. uh, with my father, because it's free for my father. Oh, that's great. His next of kin gets of course. free records. So right. mm-hmm. 
So yeah, so that's kind of a legacy, but the bigger kind of family legend, because every family has their legends, wow. may or may not be true. You can't prove them false, but you haven't proven them true yet, uh-huh. is that we actually have a branch of service covered in every generation oh, wow. of this country. Oh. There's been at least one member of every generation has joined, whether it was a cousin, an uncle, somebody on that line. Uh-huh. So it hasn't been a straight, you know, father, son, father, son, right. father, daughter, father, mm-hmm. this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, but some generation all the way through. The only reason that I think there's a modicum of truth to that is that my family is related to John Adams. Oh, wow. So that we do know. Uh-huh. So the, the math is there mm-hmm. to line up that possibility. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of trying to go down. Of course, John Adams didn't have any children. Uh, so it would be through one of his brothers. Okay. Or he, excuse me, he did have children, obviously, John Quincy Adams. Ah. John Quincy didn't have any children. That's where I was trying to go with that. Um, so it would be kind of one of those to the left and down or mm-hmm. to whatever, to the right and down. Yeah. But somewhere in that, it just would continue out that generational that's cool. somebody in that line yeah. all the way through. So that's kind of the, once I get through kind of some other things, that's another big kind of family research project that I'm going to see if, nice. see if I can prove or disprove that legend. It's not one of those you don't want to disprove, mm-hmm. but it'd be really awesome if you can prove it to be true. Right. So is that kind of what motivates your love of history or you just love history? I don't know which motivates which, but it okay. certainly is an interesting connection to do. And, mm-hmm. My background, my training actually allows me to do it better because I know the methods, I know mm-hmm. the the contacts you have to do in order to do that. Right. So it certainly is kind of an interesting, it would be really cool to find out if we can actually prove it to be true. Yeah. Like, you know, literally, you, know, uh-huh. you think your family's been in the military for a while? <laughs> yeah. 230 years of military history. Absolutely. Hate that one. Lieutenant Dan, those suckers. That's <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I have my legs. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh. Um, so what's, uh, how long have you been in then? Four or five years, six so years? So April was four years. Four years, okay. April was four. How's it been? Uh, yes. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, um, everybody who's ever either in or been in understands mm-hmm. that response perfectly. Right. And disclaimer, of course, and I'll put this in the intro, like, you know, they're not official representations of the Department of the Navy. All opinions are ours, yours, um, et cetera. And I mean, I mean, you and me, not ours and the Collectively, audience. yes. Yes. Um, all that good stuff. Yeah. Right. Stuff of that it's stuff. always important to mention that so the Navy doesn't come down and, and as if they'll even you. hear this podcast, but you know, just in case one never knows. Well, exactly. All it takes is that one chief mm. to, <laughs> to make your life miserable. I mean, I mean chiefs are awesome. To care so yes, much about they, your life. Mm, they yes. want to ensure. Uh, I, I do have a great chief. I can't lie. He's uh, okay. awesome. Yeah. I've, yeah. I, I was in a, I was in a joint command. Okay. Um, and I uh, had a variety of chief experiences ranging okay. all over the spectrum. So. I definitely I've I've had that where the you know the shoelaces are crossed wrong. You're basically going to captain's mast. Mm. I've had that kind of chief, and and I've had the I've had a couple of great immediate chiefs that were on my immediate chain of command. Mm-hmm. You have those outside chain of command chiefs that you just kind of go yes chief, yes okay chief, I'll take care of that chief. Yeah, and everyone moves on. Speaking of laces, two years in, I got new boots, and I had forgotten which was the right way to, to lace them. So I laced one one way, laced the other the other way, and that's how it was for the last two years. There one of goes. them was wrong, and of course, no one really paid attention because no is. one, in our command at least, cared. And of course, being older and a slightly kev- clever child, mm. I've always been able to find uh, different ways of asserting that I am right without saying I'm right versus uh, a chief, because chiefs are always right, so yes. therefore... <laughs> <laughs> you are never right yourself. Mm-hmm. So my frequent thing is like a uh, backpack when you're in your, your Navy working uniform. Right. You are allowed to sling that on your left, or excuse me, your right shoulder. Mm-hmm. Your left shoulder. Had the right the first time. Yeah. You are aware to just wear one hook or one strap. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you don't have to put the bag fully on your back. You can mm. just wear it on the one shoulder. Okay. As long as your right hand is still free to salute. Right. But it always kind of has that whole, and I was stopped by a chief one time mm. screaming at me hey. to either wear my bag fully on my back or to carry it, mm. you know, hand carry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my apologies, chief. I mm-hmm. thought that I could wear it on one shoulder. Mm-hmm. Well, where did you get that idea, shipmate? Uh-huh. And rolling of the eyes. And let me get this for you. And so I had the, the table. In, had the instruction in my bag because okay. this is how I do things. Sure. And I had that line highlighted uh-huh. of saying it can be worn on one shoulder as mm. long as the right hand is free to salute. Mm-hmm. And so I showed him and I was like, Chief, can you show me where I went wrong with reading this? Because I guess I misunderstood it uh-huh. as a new sailor. Uh-huh. And he kind of looked at it and it was that, yes, I just proved that I was right and I'm doing it the right way. Uh-huh. And he was kind of like, just make sure you keep your right hand free and kind of walked off. Uh-huh. Yes, chief. Thank you, chief. Yes. And that's kind of how you do it. Yeah. And again, you should respect chiefs. They've been in for a long time. Right. They, they do know things. They do know what they're talking about. Sure. But you know, some chiefs have, the power has gone to their head hey. and that's unfortunate. That's just human condition. Exactly. So, human condition. Everyone, no matter where you go. Well, like I've said, the, the vast majority of chiefs I've had, I would have no problems mm-hmm. going to if, if things were rough. Yeah. Uh, I've had a couple of chiefs that, you know, make mistakes as human do mm. and admit to it, own yeah. up to it, and then try to make it right the next time. Mm-hmm. And that's all I would ever ask of my chief is right. those rare occasions when chiefs make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Just own up to it, first of all, even if you can't fix it. Right. Just acknowledge the mistake was made. Mm-hmm. And I've been fortunate where the, the few times mistakes have been made, the chiefs mm. have had of, all right, let's see what we can do. That's fantastic. Um, that's the mark of, like, a good leader is, you know, you're able to lead and, you know, not show weakness or vulnerability necessarily, like, right. to, to reduce morale. But if something goes wrong, be like, oh, shucks. Let's, 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 let's walk through that again. Kind of and don't get me wrong. That's, those same chiefs have definitely fixed me when I was blatantly wrong. Too. Oh, of course. So yeah, no, that's another. They're, yeah. they're definitely not. Uh, mm-hmm. not uh, Accountability on all fronts. On all levels. So it's, yeah. and again, being 30, I had to adjust to that whole taking orders thing. You yes. kind of done your own thing for the better part of a decade. Yes. So that was mostly where I got into trouble was just, I'm going to make this decision for myself and go do it. Mm-hmm. And then finding out, like, where have you been? I went to do the thing. Yes. And even if the thing was okay, the fact that I hadn't told anybody about the thing mm-hmm. <laughs> was a problem. Exactly. Uh, and again, this this one chief who... Uh, I absolutely adore. Mm. He used to, every once in a while, if it was in his office and I was, you know, why did you do this, Jenkins? Oh, I did the thing and the thing. Mm-hmm. And he, and I'd get back to him and was like, well, you said that, da-da-da, and I'd go after, you know, kind of going after Chief, which you're not supposed to do. <laughs> and he would, and every once in a while, he would stop me and goes, are you talking to me like a 30-year-old or like an E3 right now? Mm. Which is what I was at the time. Yeah. And I was just like, right, got the message. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're giving me one chance to step back and say, yeah, going a little too far here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, but there were certainly times where it was, Hey chief, can I talk to you like a 30 year old? I'm having an issue here. Right. And he would kind of, you know, take the anchors off for a minute. And mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's just talk like men and figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, he was a good chief. For That's that awesome. Too, so wonderful. I've had mostly good, uh, excuse me, moments in the Navy. You have your bad here and there, just like everything of course. else in life. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, I don't, regret doing this mm-hmm. in at all. Right. I do appreciate the fact that I waited as tough as the being older and adjusting to a chain of command was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I would have made it as an 18 year old kid. Yeah. I just had too many other factors from life that would have come into play. And mm. I probably would have ha- handled some things better, mm-hmm. but I don't think I was ready for the, the unfortunate mind games that happen. The, the emotional stress, of course, that the military has. Yeah. I don't think I would have been ready at 18 to 20 years old. Mm-hmm. 
And so joining at 30, having never been an athlete, made the physical part of boot camp yeah. <laughs> slightly more challenging. Right. But certainly uh, the, the mind games that is necessary for mm. boot camp. Because mm-hmm. they do have to form you from an individual to a collective. Right. It, it made it easier just to learn to just shut up. Yeah. Unless you're directly asked a question. Mm-hmm. And make then, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. Make sure you follow orders to the T. Attention to detail. Exactly. So yeah. it... It made some things more difficult, but it mm-hmm. definitely far and away made things easier sure. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So helping out some of the, they're not even junior sailors, the sailors who are your peers rank wise, yeah. but they're 20, 23 years old. Yeah. You know, they'll come back and go, Hey, about this life thing, <laughs> how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the situation? I've even had some, some E5s, E6s come up mm. and talk to me because they're younger than me because right. they've been in for eight years, but mm-hmm. they're still 28 years old. Right. And I'll be you know, 35 this summer. Mm. And they went straight you know, high school to Navy. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're getting out or they're trying to do different life things. And, right. You know, they'll ask my opinion like, hey, how would you do this mm. in the real world? Because <laughs> it's a different animal from yeah. military to civilian. Absolutely. So it's... Sometimes it's just easier being able to come in and go, okay, well, let me let me figure this out. Mm. This is this is how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Having done a lot of things wrong in my life, this mm. is how I would go at it differently. So, right. And you mentioned you uh, taught junior high. I did. How long was that? Oh, sorry. Has you take a sip? Do you want some water too? We can get you some ice water. That uh, I got a little down. bit of coffee in here still. I'm good for now. Okay. We'll see how the water goes. Yeah. Uh, so I taught junior high for one year full time. Okay. Uh, loved it, absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had taught, uh, you know, elective classes, short-term classes here and there for ever. Feels mm-hmm. like uh, my mother was a school administrator mm-hmm. for many, many years, private mm-hmm. school. So there were times I would come in. I taught dance at schools. Oh, I would wow. come in and fill in in English classes, history classes, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes lower-level science classes mm-hmm. and lower-level math classes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always that whole, you know you're in high school, like, when am I ever going to need to know long division? <laughs> then you have kids and you're like, I hate you life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly you need to know how to do long division. Yes. So nonetheless, uh, I'd always been teaching unofficially in some aspect or another. Mm-hmm. When I taught junior high, of course I hadn't had my bachelor's yet. Okay. So I was legally a substitute ah. is how it was on paper. Okay. But it was my class. Okay. It was as much my class as it was any other teacher with a degree. Was it like one teacher taking a leave of absence, or were you just? Uh, I was just. Change? I was the teacher. Okay, it wasn't even a leave of absence. Gotcha. It was they needed somebody. Uh-huh. Um, I was available and qualified in every way, but a degree. There you go. Okay. Uh, and of course, my mother was that administrator, mm. so she knew my capabilities, mm. uh, and she would not have brought me on if she didn't think I was qualified. Of I mean, course, that's another thing. This was not yeah. about nepotism. This mm. was pure. If I couldn't do the job, she wouldn't have even <laughs> mentioned it. It wasn't about just, we need somebody, anybody mm-hmm. to, to stand there. A warm there. body. <laughs> yeah. This was not a warm body moment. All right. So I actually wanted to teach history mm-hmm. and didn't because the teacher, excuse me, the history teacher didn't want to give that up. Ah. And so she's like, well, we need somebody to cover English. Mm. English and history are pretty related. It's, sure. you know, history is mm-hmm. a lot of writing and a lot mm-hmm. of essays mm-hmm. and things like that. Yep. You know, if you can't do English, you're not going to do history well anyway. Yes. So <laughs> I was like, sure, I can take English on. That's not a problem. Cool. And and really, the other part of it with any school, public or private, having a male presence in the school is always helpful. Yes. More than just, you know, your gym teacher who's maybe there once or twice a week mm-hmm. or, you know, parents that help with lunch or yeah, whatever else it is. But mm-hmm. having somebody who's there 
you know, from open to close of the school day mm-hmm. every single day. Yeah. It's a lot different. Mm-hmm. It's a lot different, especially for that, you know, seventh and eighth grade boy level. Mm-hmm. It's certainly helpful to have that, yeah. that male influence there to mm-hmm. kind of show them. Especially a tall Not one. the perfect way, but definitely the right way to do it. Yeah. And uh, I was I was very proud of one, one eighth grade boy who was actually held back. He was mm. he's supposed to be a freshman, and he just wasn't ready for mm-hmm. high school. Mm. So he was in eighth grade again. So he was obviously a lot bigger yeah. than most of the kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me being a bigger guy, too, mm-hmm. kind of helped. And he was sure. very much the athlete, loved basketball, loved sports, mm. hated writing, uh, as is often the case for most eighth grade boys. Yes. And uh, he just, he'd do the work, but it was like the minimal work you could do to get mm. past it and just kind of wouldn't really care. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate, of course, because he was, you know, a single mother. Oh. So whatever that situation was, yeah. too. So huh. his his primary father was at least not a regular part of his life mm-hmm. and I don't remember the details but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter all that to say you know he definitely needed a, a male influence yeah and even one who wasn't necessarily supposed to be family mm. and therefore supposed to take care of him and care about him mm-hmm. to step in and care about him yeah so I kind of got to know more over the year and, and towards the end of the year in kind of that February March range mm-hmm. uh, I actually found a book and it was an anthology of sports writers hmm uh, had basically submitted kind of their best work to this anthology. Mm-hmm. And so I gave it to him, and I was just like, hey, check this book out. You know, maybe you'll like it. And he was like, God, oh, jeez, Mr. J, <laughs> giving me a book to read. I was like, this isn't homework. Mm. Read it. Let it collect dust on your shelf. I don't care. Mm. But at least take a look at it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Well, his mother told me he finished the book in two weeks. Nice. He was just, he had it on him all the time, uh-huh. reading and and he told me at the end that he actually was thinking about becoming a sports writer because he was like, I didn't realize you could write about sports. <laughs> that's think, awesome. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really a thing. That's <laughs> fantastic. So he, and his, actually even his homework assignments got a little bit better too towards the end of the year because mm. he realized like, I can actually do something with this writing. This right. isn't pointless. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun to be able to kind of watch somebody go from, I literally don't care about this and mm. I'm going to do just what I need to do to not get in trouble. Yeah. All the way to, you know, maybe I can actually do something with this. Mm-hmm. So... You know, if, awesome. the, if the athletic career doesn't work out, maybe I can still write about it. Yeah. Welcome to every scrawny kid who ever wanted to be sports. But <laughs> yes, that was the idea. So that was a lot of fun with teaching. That's fantastic. Wow. So just one year and then um, moved on to other things. Right. So, uh, again, there was a little bit of drama that happened in the school, as a uh, lot of private schools deal with. OK. Um, they ended up uh, asking my mother to step out of her contract early. Mm. Uh, again, through no fault of my mother's, mm-hmm. just politics, school, or private school politics, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a big shakeup in their school. They needed somebody to come in and help with the transition. My mother did, but therefore she wasn't liked. Ah. And the school basically bowed to the parents. Uh, naturally, because they pay for it. Unfortunate, the reality of mm. private schools. Golden rule. The who has the It is how it rules. is. And so with my mother being gone, mm-hmm. uh, I point blank asked about my coming on. I'm like, I already put in the paperwork to say I wanted to come back and teach. Okay. So, you know, what's my status mm-hmm. if I even want to come back? Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, you're welcome to apply like anybody else. And like, I'm not a moron. Mm-hmm. None of the other returning teachers are applying. Oh. It's literally a paper that says, I want to come back. I don't want to come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that ends the arg- the discussion right there. Mm-hmm. And I had already submitted that I want to come back. Mm-hmm even before they let go of my mother. Uh-huh. And so I looked at them, and again, I was like, so what's my status? Because mm. at that point, it was, yeah, you're probably going to be back. And up until then, it was, you know, all of a sudden at that point, when I, when I heard you're welcome to apply, 
Yeah. The writing was on the wall. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but I had actually brought into the meeting with the chair of the school board all of my students, uh, not SAT results, but their scholastic mm. tests mm-hmm. results, as long as their work for the year, because mm-hmm. all of them were three, two, excuse me, two grades above where they had been last year. Wow. All of them, from the kid who struggled yeah. to the ace kid, they had all improved their scores. That's awesome. And even their general academic grades mm-hmm. had all improved from the year before. Mm. And so I'm like, you can't look at this and tell me that you're getting rid of me because I'm a bad teacher. Yeah. I may be unorthodox. Uh-huh. I may not hand out homework assignments that are fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. That was an issue parents had with me. I didn't uh-huh. just hand out homework like candy. Uh-huh. I was like, there's no point. Uh-huh. If they get the material, there's no point in giving them homework. Uh-huh. If they don't, that's when you give homework. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there is some things you have to do to sharpen your skills. So sure. sometimes homework was just do this to kind of make sure everything's good. Yeah. But I'm not going to send home a bunch of worksheets uh-huh. just to fill time. Busy work. It's pointless. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if, if 80% of the kids get it, mm-hmm then they've gotten it. Right. Because yeah, it doesn't matter how much you teach, there's going to be about 20% of kids that just don't get it. Right. It's unfortunate, but that's just dynamics. Right, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at that, I'm like, you can't tell me that I'm not a good teacher. Mm-hmm. You can tell me whatever you want, or just point up tell me you don't want to bring me back. Okay, let's. I can live with that. Yeah. But let's not play, it's because I failed as a teacher. Yeah. Because oh. that ain't it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something you think you might want to get back into? I mean, obviously you're kind of doing it like with the swing dance teaching right. and whatnot. I love teaching. I'll always be a teacher mm. unofficially. Is that why you want to do the museum thing? Partly. Okay. I mean, that's kind of where I want to go with, with my degree is that more tour guide education part of museums. Nice. Um, I love all of it. Mm. I'll do any of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the, the teaching and the actual presenting part is what I really enjoy doing. So okay. whether I officially go back and become a school teacher mm. or if it's just teaching throughout, you know, the, the trade of museums. Sure, sure, sure. It'd definitely be a part. Like I said, I would have, I didn't leave teaching because I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. It was just life. Thanks. Yeah. Um, of course, I often joke, you know, I joined the Navy to get a pay raise from a teacher. Yeah. Which is unfortunately true. Yeah. Uh, it is, <laughs> an E3 makes more than a teacher does mm. in average salary. Just on basic pay. Wow. Which is kind Not of ridiculous. Much. Yeah. But yeah. that's hmm. that's a whole other conversation about nah. teacher pay. <laughs> Indeed. We won't get into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a conversation my wife and I have from time to time. She's a school teacher. Ah, okay. Yes. Okay. And uh, I taught high school English for one semester uh, uh, back in 2010 because um, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And the therapist said, hey, you should be a teacher. So I went for it. That's the second time I went to school. Yep. Got a license, but not a degree. Yep. And then substitute top for one semester and then life happened and I moved to Ohio and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Right. And life. Uh, yes. Lots of stuff. Well, that's where I joined the Navy. I was okay. in Columbus. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, so you say you're getting out trying to get out in uh, the summer. Yeah? Right. Okay. Um, just, just time. You ready? Yeah. It's like you said I, I love the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it taught me a lot. I'm putting in a release. The official package is Early release for education. Okay. It's the formal title of the mm-hmm. paperwork. Mm-hmm. And it is to get my master's in mm-hmm. museum studies. Yes. And it's actually very specific because the Navy is not giving anybody an early release just because. Uh, so the Navy does, of course, have that. If you want to get out early, you can petition, put in a formal request. Uh-huh. I've done my minimal three years, which you still get all your benefits and everything when you retire. Mm-hmm. Or not retire, excuse me. But when you get out, you know, still get GI bills, still yeah. get... You know, that transitional TRICARE, all of that kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh, after your initial three years. Yes. So 
as I went from there to there, realized, okay, but uh, their Navy's not doing any general early release. Mm. Just they've decided for whatever reason, mm-hmm. nobody's getting out early. There's okay. no quotas. There's no percentages. Mm. If you go on to the, the Navy site to look at it, it literally just says no quotas available. Doesn't mm. matter your job. Doesn't matter your year group. Doesn't matter mm. not letting anybody out of their contract early. Okay. So I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm not getting out yet. Mm-hmm. And then my chief, being awesome as he is, Mm -hmm. did some more research and found this program, which is completely separate. If you're petitioning specifically for education, Uh there's always the possibility. Of course, it's always up to the commanding officer. It's Uh always up to Big Navy. Sure. But it's not a straight no. They look at it specifically for the purpose. Okay. And, of course, one of the questions they ask is, why do you need to do it now instead of the end of your contract? Mm. And so my reasoning to my command was, you know, I spent 15 years going after my bachelor's, Mm. either full time or here and there trying. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to spend more time waiting Mm. because I might lose motivation to do it. Mm. I might forget to do it. Life might just happen. Yeah. And I always regret not going. Uh So I'd like to go now while the motivation and energy is high. Yes. So I don't kind of lose it somewhere along the way mm-hmm. like i said life can just get the best of you and next thing you know it's 15 years later mm-hmm. so that's kind of why i'm petitioning to do it now and uh, my immediate chain of command is totally behind it uh they and it's not even to get rid of it because they've freely acknowledged i'm one of the best sailors in our department wow now of course whether or not they say that to everybody <laughs> there's always that dynamic <laughs> uh, but based on the work that i do there's been times where it's it's going to be different when I'm gone mm. based on the work that I do. Mm-hmm. So huh. hopefully the rest of the sailors can jump up and, and fill that in. And I believe they can, Yeah, but it's definitely different. There's oh. definitely going to be a difference. So it's not just a, like, let's get rid of him. Cause he's a horrible sailor uh-huh. kind of situation. Yeah. You might be like, please get him out now. Mm-hmm. We're done. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if I can get out, like I said, I have a pretty good working relationship with my commanding officer. That's fantastic. Uh, being known for the good reasons yes. by the CO as opposed mm-hmm. to the bad reasons. Mm-hmm. So hopefully uh, I can get out. Of course, nothing's guaranteed, but I don't yeah. see being approved by my cha- by my command, mm-hmm. as it is. You know, the whole the CO can't actually approve it, but she submits her yes. We recommend that the Navy let him out early. Mm-hmm. Big Navy takes that into consideration and mm-hmm. kind of goes from there, as opposed to the CO going, "Nope, you're not getting out early." Yeah, and that pretty much ends the conversation. Okay. So. Yeah, hopefully we can do that. Like I said, I love the Navy. It's just I want to be able to get out now. It's time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Navy gave me a lot of things I didn't have, stability, support, yeah, uh, a purpose in life. I kind of, it's part of why I joined. I just kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. Was Same floating. here. Yeah. Uh, being unemployed and living in your mother's basement is some high motivation at 30 years old to figure out something else. Yep. So <laughs> we'll figure it out eventually. But and so, it's again, it did its purpose. If the Navy says no, I'll do my year and, you know, the year plus that I have here and... Mm-hmm. and do it with everything I have. I'm not going to be that guy that's like, well, you won't let me go. Screw it. I ain't going to do my job. Yeah. No, I'm going to do it everything I have, just like if I was still here anyway. Nice. So, but hopefully they let me out and I can start grad school this fall. Yeah. Wow. That'd be great. So, which I'm already in. I already got accepted. That's part of the package is you have to have an acceptance letter with uh, yeah. the package because obviously you can't just say it and then, mm-hmm. yep, I'm going to go to school now. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't actually get accepted anywhere. Right. Uh, okay. Um, that's remarkable that you have um, the uh, approval of your chain, yep. you know, uh, not not for the specific thing, but the, the, their admiration is what I mean. Right. Um, and yet they're still willing to let you go because I, I 
kind of ran into this, but I've heard it more from other sailors I've known, like through A school and stuff. Like when they're ready, getting ready to get out, everyone's like, "Are you sure you want to get out? Are you? Do you know it's really hard yeah, out there?" I'm definitely getting that. Believe me, I'm, uh, I'm definitely yeah. still getting that conversation. Uh, but the difference again, having joined at 30, they can't really give me the. Do you know what it's like as a civilian? Because uh-huh. it's like. I know better than you what it's like. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't get that part of it. Yeah. But I definitely get the, are you sure this is what you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, Navy's a guaranteed paycheck. It's yeah. steady income. It's mm-hmm. all, all the very much true benefits of being yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm, this is, I did not decide this last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's definitely never thought about, but yeah, it's, they're mm. very much approving. They want me to succeed, but mm. they would be just as happy to keep me around for another sure. year. Yeah. Um, or more if they had anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'd be getting. I mean, if I was staying in, I'd be PCSing this summer anyway. Oh, okay. So it's doesn't yeah. really change anything as far as billets or as far sure. as orders go. So yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, best of luck. Hope it works out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so is this your? This isn't your first duty station, is it? It is. It is. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, I spent a year in Texas in training. Okay. Uh, for my specialty, and then Corman. So I am a corpsman. Okay. That, that combination, I always tell people, and I'll say this for anybody listening who doesn't get it, a corpsman essentially is the equivalent of an EMT and a licensed practicing nurse. Oh. That's essentially the equivalency of our training. Okay. So uh, we can do everything a nurse does. You know, you're a basic nurse in your hospital. Mm-hmm. We can also do everything that an emergency medicine technician, you know, mm-hmm. your basic paramedic. Yeah. Uh, paramedics that level higher, but mm. that kind of get out of an ambulance and, and take care of the trauma. Sure. And we can also do it with bullets flying overhead. Yeah. Because that's what we're trained to do is do that in combat. Mm-hmm. So, which is always unfortunate that a lot of states don't transfer. It's not a civilian certification. Mm-hmm. It's something I've heard. That was weird. Strange, yeah. strange things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nonetheless, so uh, it's, yeah, it's not anything you can transfer in. Okay. There's one state in the country that will allow you to bring your credentials to the state, and the state will give you a nursing license huh. on the spot. Uh-huh. And then another state uh, will let you take the exam. Okay. So you can't just walk in and say, now I'm a nurse. Yeah. You have to take the exam, kind of prove you know what you're doing. Sure. And then go from there. And it's there's been a big push in some other states to do something a little bit more. Otherwise, you just have to kind of start all over you again? You go to nursing school as a day one nursing student. That. That's bullshit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's, um, but again, oh, that's why a lot gosh. of people push you people to get their nursing degree while they're still in the Navy. Mm. Because that way you've already done it and you're yeah. good to go. Uh-huh. But it is a little ridiculous when you have somebody who's faced combat, tended to Save Marines mm-hmm. and sailors with bombs going off, bullets mm-hmm. flying overhead. Mm-hmm. Now they have to go sit in a classroom to prove that they it, know what they're doing. To yeah. learn to do what they've already been doing for a decade yeah. or more. Or people less. wonder why veterans are crusty sometimes. It's just, you know, imagine yeah. sitting, imagine being in for, you know, 15 years. Mm, yeah. Having gone overseas in combat. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even gotten a purple heart because you saw things you wish you hadn't seen. Yeah. And saved lives, uh-huh. literally saved lives. Yeah. And now you have to go sit in a room full of 18 to 22 year olds mm-hmm. because they want to be a nurse and, you know, help care for, you know, help care for people. And you're mm-hmm. just sitting there like, oh my God, <laughs> like yeah. this is going to be a long mm-hmm. two years. And not to gen- overgeneralize, and, but they're complaining about stuff like my latte tasted kind of flat this morning. <laughs> yeah. All of that kind of like, mm-hmm. can you believe I had to pay for this? And yeah, I, like completely. Well, it's completely different worldviews and stuff, but it's, it's still like, wow, because Th- there's just such a disconnect between uh, civilian and, and military folks. Um, 
military That's folks. True. Even like um, my civilian is showing by using that term. I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Careful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat because, uh, yeah, joined late 30s. I was a civilian longer than I was a sailor. And uh, as a sailor, I wasn't even on a ship. <laughs> yeah, I know that life too. Um, yeah. So I haven't been on a ship either. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, Missouri is the only time, only ship I've been on. <laughs> it doesn't count. I know. But it, it served in, in the movie Battleship. It did. So technically it's active. It's, oh, no, 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 it's no. not. Not even remotely. <laughs> I've been on a few Navy ships with uh, mm. my specialty. I've done some inspections of, okay. of vessels. Cool. But I have not actually served, right. lived on board. Yeah. Um, even short term, mm-hmm. nothing like that. Like yeah. I have at least, I can at least say I have been in the belly of a couple of active ships. There you go. Okay. Though they never left port. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least I've been in, at least I've done. Yeah, that absolutely. So yeah. I know what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's kind of the thing, like where I have the hesitation to call myself a nurse. I'm, I don't flash around like, yeah, I was in the Navy. I'm a sailor or whatever. Cause I never went to sea or anything. I was, I was on type two sea duty for the duration of my time. Right. Um, but yeah, but I, I'm still, I appreciate the, the people I was surrounded with, uh, folks who had been in combat camera because I was an MC. Oh, okay. Um, and then also when I would, when I did deploy, cause I was with, um, the, the, the JPAC now DPAA yep. searching for, um, POW MIA remains and stuff and okay. being surrounded by soldiers who had been in Afghanistan, the Middle East and seen some terrible, awful things. And just at first, if you're not, if you don't know where they're coming from, you're kind of put off by their behavior. Um, uh, you could describe them. I don't want to be a pejorative or anything, but um, it's a different life. It's it, a totally different life. And there's no way I can equivocate or I don't know if that's the right word. Um, there's, there's no way that I could possibly understand what the, their, their background, you know, um, and relate to it. It's just getting to know a couple of them, and then being able to talk and then experience the others. And it's like, okay, I, I, I wouldn't do things like that, but I, I understand. Right. You know, you can start to sympathize somewhat. So, um, yeah, not sure what the point of that was. Well, it's always, and it's always that thing to say of, you know, people say, well, you chose this life. Right. You chose to join. You chose to raise your right hand. Yes. And that's certainly true. There's, it was mm-hmm, a choice. Mm-hmm. And that's where our choices ended. Yes. <laughs> once we signed that right hand, once we got through boot, mm-hmm your choices go out the window. Pretty much. And people don't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you still have a life. I mean, obviously, I'm active duty, and now I'm mm-hmm. sitting here at your coffee table yeah. talking, mm-hmm. you know, not getting shot at, fortunately. Right. But at the same time, you know, if my chief were to call me right now and say, come into the office, get mm-hmm. in uniform, yeah. it would be, yes, chief, I'll be there in 20 minutes, or, yeah. you know, whatever. There is no, be. I'm dizzy. You know, I mean, yeah. if he asked, are you able that usually is also a statement in question form. Yeah. It usually means you're coming in unless you have a point blank reason you can't. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and I always tell this, people never realize, you always hear the, you know, the old cartoon G.I. Joe, mm. right? I'm mm-hmm. sure you probably know where I'm going with this. Mm. People don't realize what the G.I. stands for in G.I. Joe. Government issue. Government issue, which is to say that even our bodies are government property. Exactly. Until we get mm-hmm. that infamous DD-214. Yes which is that separation paper. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I always tell people, like, when we say we don't have a choice, Mm -hmm. we are literally owned by the federal government. Mm -hmm. People don't realize that up until recently, you had to request to get a tattoo. Yeah. Now, nobody really did it formally. It was just kind of acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And even there are certainly 
certain rules and formats of tattoos you can and can't get. Right. That is absolutely maintained. Mm-hmm. But you are supposed to get formal written approval mm-hmm. to get a tattoo of anything anywhere. Right. Because it's damaging government property. Right. Uh, even to have a mustache, which uh-huh. beards obviously are not permitted in the military. Right. But even have a mustache, if mm-hmm. you are an E3 or below, mm. you are supposed to have written approval. I did not know that. shit wow. to have facial hair. Huh. As an E3 or below, because okay. you are not a petty officer. You've yeah. not earned that leadership rank, therefore mm-hmm. you haven't earned the right to do it. Mm-hmm. Again, almost never actually enforced, yeah. but by the instruction, mm-hmm. yeah, you could be an E2 with a mustache, get called out on it, and mm-hmm. you would be out of uniform. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it's that kind of weird uh-huh. military thing. It's not yeah. like I said, is that going to happen? Unless you really have a chief who woke up and... The ro- underneath the bed, never yeah. mind on the wrong side <laughs> of it. Uh, you're never going to get that enforced. Yeah. But there's a so. lot of different things. You know, people don't realize that, you know, our boot camp manual mm. is what, three inches thick? Mm-hmm. Like of things that, like daily life things you need mm-hmm. to learn. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is your ship design and plane design and things that you probably aren't going to use depending upon your, your rate, mm-hmm. your job. Yeah. But there's still things you're supposed to know in your back pocket. Right. But a lot of that is everyday things that you could be asked on a given moment at any time. Mm -hmm. You know, all of my, you know, 11 general orders, you know how many I remember at this point? Uh, None of them. Yes. It's just, (laughs) or maybe I remember certain words, but I don't remember which number it is Mm -hmm. or, you know, all those things. But that's Mm -hmm. something I'm supposed to know. Yeah. But because we use those so little, especially non-deployed, non-combat. Right. Which is really what those orders are for. Yeah. Which absolutely those orders should be known for somebody who's out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, downrange, as they say. Yes. So there's a lot in that kind of military, and even talking to my parents. Mm. I'll say things without realizing I'm saying them. Right. Jargon and whatnot. Yeah, different things. I mean, of course, mm. one of the big ones that is very explicitly Navy, mm. even other branches, is the head. Ah, <laughs> yes. Which is the Navy <laughs> term for bathroom, of yes. course. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'll say that I got to go use the head. Mm-hmm. Just not thinking about it and my parents will be like the what you're going to think about something (laughs) yeah what (laughs) i don't understand what that is yeah and so there's other different kind of terms that you use even just military time Mm -hmm. yeah i mean even my watch right now is it's you know set to military time yeah it's just i think about it that way anyway Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you know i'll look at somebody and i'll be like oh it's 1700 and they'll be like it's what yes it's 5 (laughs) p.m yeah it's five o'clock at night Mm -hmm. that's what time it is (laughs) And so it's that kind of, I mean, even now four years in, Mm -hmm. my parents have learned some terms Uh just from me repeatedly using them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I gave them my boot camp manual when I got out so they could kind of read it and try to get a better idea. (laughs) But even ranks, I'll talk about my chief. They don't really know what a chief is Mm. versus anybody who's ever been Navy even for a day, you know what a chief is. Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of, there's a lot of terms, jargon, ranks. People can understand the concept of a chain of command because mm-hmm. everybody has a floor supervisor, then they have the office supervisor, they have mm-hmm. the owner of the company. Right. But that's not really what a chain of command in the Navy is. It's right. much more detailed and it's much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's some of that things which is a civilian will never truly understand. Yes. They might know, mm-hmm. but they'll never understand. Yeah. And that's kind of the hard thing that a lot of people have to grasp. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not that big a deal. Kind yeah, of is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been drilled into your head every day for so many years. And yeah. And that's why it's unfortunate that a lot of military individuals have difficulty transitioning back to civilian life. Yes. Especially if they came 18 to 22 years old. Yeah. Hadn't really been a civilian. Mm-hmm. A couple of years doesn't count. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get out after 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's that's why you have so many, you know, unfortunate veteran suicides. Yeah. And which is another big cause and passion of mine dealing with that mm-hmm. is because it's literally just the, you don't know how to live life because you're mm-hmm. used to somebody telling you what clothes to wear every day. Mm-hmm. Quite literally. What, it, but that, what that always brings know. to mind for me is um, the part mm-hmm. in the Shawshank Redemption when they talk very about similar. getting institutionalized. Very, very similar. And not, not to, well, some people do draw the comparison between military and the prison, but... Um, it's just that regimented um, at the onset and then depending on where you are, it has to be because you, you spend brain power thinking about what am I going to wear today or what am I going to do today? Whereas if you know what you're going to wear, you know what you're going to do, then you can focus more yep. of that power on like surviving and helping your battle buddy, that's an army term, survive. Um, yeah, I, I was mostly in an army joint unit. That's okay. Yeah. We all know the terms. We all know what they are. <laughs> um yeah, and then suddenly when there isn't anyone telling you what to do, uh, then it's like, okay, what do I do? Awaiting orders. Those orders aren't coming. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of some of the difference is that, and even for me, trying to battle that line because having been a civilian for 10 plus years, mm-hmm. still trying to fight that whole, like, I'm just going to do this today. And then realizing, no, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'm going to uh-huh. do the thing. Yeah. Uh, and for me, of course, is something that I've done for myself for years, mm-hmm. uh, and it has been advantageous now again, because of the nature of my daily job mm-hmm. is one of the first things I do when I come in this morning, when I come in in the morning every day mm-hmm. after making my pot of coffee, cause Lord knows that's number one. Cause mm-hmm. if that doesn't happen, life doesn't gonna, happen. It's going to be a bad day. Mm-hmm. So I do that. And then I sit down with my fresh cup of coffee mm-hmm. and I will write out my schedule for the day mm-hmm. based on what's in front of me. What do I need to do? Um, so part of my job is I do sanitation inspections. Mm-hmm. So my special, my, so I'm a corpsman by rate. Yep but I am a preventive medicine technician by specialty. Oh, okay. So we deal a lot with anything to prevent diseases. Sure. So we deal with immunizations and vaccines. We deal with epidemiology, disease research, tracking, dealing with patients that have TB or Mm. STDs, Mm -hmm. or we deal with malaria prescriptions for people who are going overseas. We deal a lot with overseas screenings for Mm. people who are deploying or getting stationed overseas. We deal with that. And we also deal with environmental health, Mm. which is... Uh, a lot of pest control, especially mosquito oh, things like that, mm-hmm. um, bed bugs, things like that. Mm-hmm. And we also do inspections mm-hmm. of food facilities, barracks, gyms, oh, wow. anything where diseases could pop up. We're doing inspections to try to make sure that everybody's following the proper guidelines. Wow. So all those green placards you see around, even mm-hmm. downtown Oahu, that's yeah. the state that does those. Yeah. You'll see them on a military installation because the militaries are using that too. It's the same placard, hmm. slightly modified for the military, okay. but same idea. Yeah, sanitation so, grade. Exactly. Okay. So if you see them, any Navy or Marine Corps base here in Oahu uh-huh. is done by my office. Huh. There's a decent chance if you look at them, you might see my signature oh, on wow. some of those places. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to say where they are for you know, security things. But, of course. But yeah, you could certainly look at that mm-hmm. and you'd see my name on it because that's a facility that I have said mm-hmm. this facility is up to par. Mm. This one's good. Mm-hmm. So uh, dealing with all of that, mm-hmm. um, I have no idea where I was going because I entirely lost the whole train of thought. <laughs> okay. I thought I was going to come back and that's, that's okay. Right. Uh, but it doesn't really Transitioning matter. to civilian life? Somewhere in there. Yeah. We'll figure it out, come back. It, it fell off the <laughs> fell off the cliff on that one. Yes. Ah, ah, that's ah, me. Ah, ah, jokes. I need to keep I, better things This is on why me. I'm not allowed to talk in public. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I know where I was going with that. It wasn't a direct translation to the two. Because mm. um, I was going with my plan of the day. Oh, yeah, right, right. So because of my job, my day is essentially, uh, it's kind of a maverick job in mm. the sense of, 
I show up for muster at this time. Mm-hmm. I have my end of day muster at this time. Mm-hmm. And in between that, I pretty much do what I want mm. to get all my inspections done, to get all the different tasks of the day. Okay. So short of, you know, department meetings or other commitments, mm-hmm. my nine to five, so to speak, I wish it was nine to five. That'd be so <laughs> glorious. Right. Five to nine. Um, <laughs> is pretty much however I need to do. Mm. You know, however many inspections I can get in that day versus yeah. how long they take. That's awesome. So the first thing I do, cup of coffee in hand, mm-hmm. is I sit down and start, okay, first 15 minutes of every day is the initial muster. Anything mm-hmm. needs to be passed, anything that needs to make sure we're all there, accountable. Mm-hmm. And then I just go through, this hour I'm going to do this, that hour this, this is when lunch is going to be, this is when I have this meeting. And I just mm-hmm. plan my entire day. Mm-hmm. And it's not a regiment. It's not like if I don't show up at this time, uh-huh. it's all gone to pot. Sure. It's just a lot easier as I go through my day just looking at where am I going to be next as mm-hmm. opposed to spending 20 minutes every time I finish a task mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the next task is. Yes. I can spend 20 minutes at the beginning of the day planning my entire day. Mm-hmm. So one 20-minute period versus four, five, six 20-minute periods throughout the day sure. makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and since a lot of my job is driving around the island, it really makes sense to have that plan in place <laughs> yeah. before I'm driving all the way over here to realize oh, I'm not going to drive back and then back. And forth. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's that even that structured, even though it's me doing it, mm-hmm. it falls under that military direction, military guidance, because right. it's still somebody mm-hmm. and somebody happens to be my job mm-hmm. telling me what to do and when. Right. So then getting out, um, and it's, it's something I did even as a civilian, mm-hmm. because it's just how my brain works. If I don't have a, this is what my day holds. Yeah. I'll next thing you know, I'll be drinking a cup of coffee for the next three hours staring <laughs> at the wall. Yeah. Uh, so that's just kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. But then transitioning to civilian life, mm. yeah, when you don't have that foundation of at least I know what I'm wearing because mm. somebody's going to tell me which uniform to wear. Mm-hmm. I know where I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. And when I show up, I'm going to find out what I need to do mm-hmm. if I don't know it already. Right. So, And there's always somebody, even if you don't know what to do, mm-hmm. there's always somebody a rank above you to tell you what to do. Yes. You know, no matter what that is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even chiefs have upper and even yeah. everybody has somebody above you mm-hmm. to tell you what to do. Yep. So once you eliminate that, mm-hmm. it can be incredibly tough. And that's why you have all these veteran suicides. Mm. The vast majority of them are simply because they get out and get lost mm. and get stuck. Mm-hmm. Some of it is PTSD. Some of it is trauma that they faced on a battlefield. Mm-hmm. Some of it is their own mind playing games. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it, again, not unlike Shawshank Redemption, is mm-hmm. just, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't have anybody telling me what to do. And I didn't think I needed that because we all talk about, oh, God, if nobody freaking told me what to do with my life, I can make my life better. Yeah. And then you get out and you're like, oh, God, I need somebody to tell me what to do because yeah. I don't know what to do right now. Uh-huh. And it's that, that kind of dynamic. So that's why, uh, again, suicide prevention and awareness, hmm. uh, which for the military is September. That's that month okay. that we particularly look at, at hmm. that because you know, every month has its own 8 million things that go on. Yeah. I don't say that negatively. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that need to be addressed, mm-hmm. um, military and civilian. Yes. But for me, suicide prevention is such a big deal. Mm. Uh, and I say that, which, again, we can talk about it more. You want to go in a different situation, that's fine, uh, because I'm a two-attempt survivor two. myself. Okay. So I know what it's like to face that darkness, mm. and I've been fortunate to walk away from it mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier talking about suicide prevention, suicide awareness, which you can even, I mean, I realize people listening camp, you can see my face. I didn't blink at all when I say suicide. Yeah. Not that I'm comfortable with it Mm. at all. Don't Mm. get that for it. Mm -hmm. But I'm comfortable with the topic. Sure. Because it's not a scary thing to me. It's not a stigma to me. It's not Mm -hmm. an enigma. Mm -hmm. It's very unfortunate. It's it's an uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm. 
but it's not an uncomfortable topic to me. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, if we can get people talking about it more, we can get people realizing it's not a stigma, mm-hmm. it'll be easier to talk to and talk about. Because most yeah. of the time, if you try to bring that up, it's right up there with, like, it's, it's, it's a bad analogy, but it works as far as discomfort, mm-hmm. talking about genitalia. Mm. <laughs> right? You can be as scientific as you want, and mm-hmm. I can say genitalia all day, and most people, okay, but if I start naming specifics, it starts to be like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> And in a lot of ways, it's the same thing about suicide. I can talk about it, it's no problem. Mm-hmm. But if you were to talk about it in public in a conversation with somebody, be like, yeah, so then we're going to talk about suicide. Mm-hmm. And you kind of don't even want to say the word. Yeah. And that's where a lot of things are. Because if you can't even talk about the word, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to talk about your own struggle with mm-hmm. it, or you're thinking about it. Or yeah. you're just, you're even if you're not there yet, you're afraid you might get there. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, I, in my own experience, I never... There are times where I've contemplated it and I've seriously considered my options. Never got to the point where, like, I had, you know, the instrument. Are, are you good on time? No, I'm good. Yeah, okay, I was okay. just looking. Okay. It's instinct more of... Yes, I, I understand. Yeah, I have nothing else to do today other okay. than take care of the house and the dogs and things, so it's not a, right not a big deal. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, first... Well, actually, both times really revolved around... Um, uh, a breakup, a really okay. devastating breakup. Sure, um, not uncommon. And uh, this is actually the event preceding my deciding to join the Navy. Not going from a broken heart, but just like after that, I put so much time into it. Like, what do I do with my life? But sure. yeah, because um, I'd been in therapy before, and which uh, is good. I think everybody should do at least one session. I concur. And by session, I mean set of appointments. Yes, mm-hmm. with a counselor at least once in their life because it can help you see things, even if you're. Mm-hmm. completely healthy yes and I use that slightly loosely mm-hmm. um, even if you don't feel like you have any problems mm-hmm. uh, it can just help you figure out even how you see the world and mm-hmm. sometimes just knowing how you see the world mm-hmm. can be a big impact Absolutely. so I you know people are like oh my god therapy like I, I almost wish it was mandated that everybody <laughs> went through a therapy session but then mm-hmm. it wouldn't work because nobody's going to do it if you're mandated to do it it's right. just human mm-hmm. instinct you're gonna be like I'm forced to be here so I'm going to say what I need to say yeah. to get out of it again Mm-hmm. But if people voluntarily go, you know what, I'm going to go see somebody. Yeah. And again, I'm kind of taking away from story, but no, I think okay. it needs to be said. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. it is, and because I, I, I say this when I do suicide talks and when I do mm-hmm. suicide prevention awareness outreaches, I always tell people, if you are dealing, excuse me, if you are talking with a counselor mm-hmm. and you feel like you're not getting anywhere, especially if you have a need to talk to a counselor, mm-hmm. try a different counselor. Yeah. Because... Every counselor is not the same. They mm-hmm. might be trained the same way. They're all looking at the same basic concepts of how the human brain works. Mm-hmm. But everybody reads that a different way. Mm-hmm. And so the counselors that I've had, and I've gone through multiple different sessions throughout my life, mm-hmm. uh, but one of them in particular, I went through about four different counselors oh, wow. before I finally found someone who I meshed with mm-hmm. and I could actually work with. Mm-hmm. The other ones were great. They knew their job. Mm-hmm. But it was just a personality Sure, thing. couldn't quite make that, that, that connection. Just, you know, one counselor sitting there parroting everything back to me. Oh, just God. literally saying. And for some <laughs> people need that. They need to just hear what they're saying. They yeah. need to know, what, I'm, what is my actually saying out loud? And you can say it and be fine. And then you hear somebody else say the exact same words and you're like, no, that's not what I meant. Mm-hmm. That's what you just said. Yeah. And so sometimes parroting does help. It literally is just a, you need that feedback. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that style. Mm-hmm. Not me. Don't yeah. freaking just tell me what I just said. I, I've thought about it enough in my own head. I know yeah. what I'm saying. Let's get some insight back. Clarifying is one thing. Did you just say that? But literally just almost every sentence. Mm-hmm. And so uh, 
sometimes you have to find somebody. And for me, I finally found a counselor who I was explaining to this counselor everything I was going through. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was being an idiot. I mm-hmm. knew I was acting stupidly, but I couldn't stop. I was just, mm-hmm. I keep getting stuck in the same stupidity. Right. Counselors would, you know, the first few were, oh, that's really tough. That's mm-hmm. different. That's difficult. Oh, so you think you're being stupid. You know, <laughs> so like, it's just the whole like, <laughs> this is not working. Like, I yeah. want to fix myself, but uh-huh. this is not, you're not giving me the help I need. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of playing nice, and you're, oh, that's really difficult. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And again, that's fine. Not a bad method of counseling, just not what I needed. Mm-hmm. So, this particular counselor, again, I explained the whole situation, didn't say anything about stupid or anything, which is here's the situation, and I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Mm. And she thought for a minute, looked at me, and this is a big risk on the part of the counselor mm. because that first, especially that first appointment, is going to set the tone mm-hmm. for the entire rest of the sessions, whether yeah. it's three more three dozen more, mm-hmm. that first interaction is how it's going to go. Yeah. So she sits there and thinks for a minute and I'm waiting to like hear some kind of you know stupidity back or wow. some kind of just mantra roll my eyes at. Mm-hmm. She looks at me and goes, well, you need to stop being a moron. <laughs> and I literally was like, yes, you are the person I need to work with because <laughs> we're going to call me being a moron and I know mm-hmm. I'm being a moron. Yeah. I don't know how to stop being a moron. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she was willing to call the elephant in the room mm-hmm without me saying anything, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you're the person I can work with because mm-hmm. this is, you're just going to tell me when I'm being a moron. Right. Because I know I am. I just can't stop doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so that was a great session and it helped me. Eventually I got to where I needed to be because mm-hmm. there was just that anything could be said in that room and we knew it stayed in the room mm-hmm. and it was perfectly fine. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, that's what I always tell people is if you're, if you go to a counselor, even if you're mandated to go to a counselor and mm-hmm. that counselor isn't working, mm-hmm. you know, let whoever mandated you know this person is not working. Can I find somebody else? Mm-hmm. More often than not, yeah. they're going to let you find somebody else as mm-hmm. long as you're doing that. Yeah. So, um, sorry, when I was going through my phone just now, sure. um, there's another sailor. He was actually at my A school. He was an MC one at the time. Now he's a, a BM one. Okay. Uh, Bosun's mate. Yep. Um, Jason Thompson. I hope to get him on here when he comes back through Hawaii. Uh, he has some experience with this as well. Um, and he's very public about his story, alcoholism, suicide attempts and whatnot. And he posted earlier this week, oh, Sunday now, so last week, um, mm-hmm. I'm amazed we mourn suicide, but so frequently deny depression. Because there's, there's suicide, there's depression leading up to, it's not just like, oh, one day I wake up and life is terrible, I'm just going to end it all. True. I will put an asterisk in there. Okay. And I will say that not all suicides are from depression. Okay. Not all depressed people suicide. True. Yes. Yes. So that is an important caveat because okay. yeah. for me, I wasn't depressed. Okay. I just was stuck in where I was in life. Huh. It wasn't a depression. Okay. But it was just, I, I don't know what to do. Okay. I okay. enjoyed life, uh-huh. but life wasn't going anywhere. Hmm. So, so it wasn't hmm. a strict depression in that sense. Okay. It was just a... I'm stuck. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't want to like a general over overgeneralize anything, but a, a particularly subject such as this. Um, so yeah, can you talk? Are you willing? Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. So okay. uh, I will tell you also, uh, and if you want me to give a specific, I can. My story is on YouTube. Okay. From one of the talks that I gave, and I actually told my story. Okay. Let me make a note to point that sure. in the show notes. Um. Because, uh, you know, this is cutting it close, but I don't want to be, uh, you know, come across as exploitative. No, absolutely. If there's an anything. issue, I will be like, next question, please. Or sure. something yeah. along please. those lines. But I'm, I'm fairly open with my life because 
again, it can help other people with theirs. I'm all about that. Absolutely. And yeah, this is a topic. And I'm already a pro dancer as a guy. So if there I was worried go. about my embarrassment or my <laughs> dignity, I passed that bridge a long time ago. Indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. There is a stigma to this. And I've uh, known some, some people that I have actually known, other people I've known through others, have succumbed to suicide within the last four or five years. Um, other sailors, primarily. Sure. Um, and other service members. So, so there's a big, a big thing too, and you kind of said it. And mm. there's a lot with terminology yeah. about suicide, and they're, mm. they're really trying to push a change in that mm-hmm. because of again the stigma, but also the mentality behind it, the very genuine mentality. Mm-hmm. So you say succumb to it. Mm. Okay, it's not a bad word, sure, because in a lot of cases that's true. Uh huh. But succumb to it almost means like you had no choice. Okay, yeah. It was fighting, mm-hmm. and you it took over, and you couldn't stop yourself. Mm-hmm. Very true for many people. Mm-hmm. It very much is a the thoughts took over, and they couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. For many others, it, it's it was a rational, conscious decision. Okay. It was an irrational frame of mind. Okay. But the decision was very clear and succinct. It made sense. It was not succumbing. It was framework. I am going to do this. Okay. Because it makes the best sense right now. Mm. Now they weren't in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. But that's where I was. For okay. me, it was a conscious what, what do I usually say? Conscious. Remember the exact. A conscious irrational decision. Okay. I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I knew what I thought. I knew it was a bad idea. Mm. I just didn't have another way out. Huh. Was before or after you joined the Navy? Before. Okay. They were both, both attempts were before the Navy. Okay. And so for me, that's what it was, is it was, I might have other options. Mm-hmm. And especially the second time, it was, I have so many things in the future I want to do. Mm. But I can't survive now. Mm. So who cares about plans in the future? Mm-hmm. And so it was a very conscious, I believe this is going to be the best option to take. Mm. Now, in that second attempt, somebody, I was texting with people, and somebody called the cops on me. So I never actually mm-hmm. made it to an actual attempt, mm-hmm. but I call it a second attempt because given a few more hours, mm-hmm. I probably would have gone after it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is some complication. So again, I'd rather have people say the wrong terminology than not talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. But one big thing is like nobody says, um, we, or I shouldn't say nobody, we try to avoid saying committed suicide. Ah. Because committed sounds like you, know, you were committed to doing it, or for okay. that matter, um, you weren't committed. You, you couldn't even decide. Huh. Like that's kind of the opposite of committed. It yeah. is, you couldn't, like if you didn't actually die, mm-hmm. it was all, you couldn't even do that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even commit suicide. <laughs> Such a fuck up, couldn't even do. Right, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, and so that's why even completed suicide also says, well, you couldn't complete it, you couldn't even do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's usually you just say somebody suicided mm. or died by suicide. Okay. And those are, like, there's no questions about, there's no, mm-hmm. they did, they didn't, they could, they couldn't. It's just, they suicided. Yeah. Okay. You know, or, um, or they didn't suicide, mm-hmm. but they had behavior. Mm. Suicide behavior is another mm-hmm. term. Mm-hmm. So there's usually kind of three tiers. There's um, suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes also suicidal intentions is mm-hmm. another term that's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's suicidal behavior. Mm-hmm which basically all that is is to differentiate between suicide. Mm. The behavior kind of says either you had an attempt and didn't die or you're starting to make those plans and you're actually putting them into action. Kind of like a... And somebody got into you beforehand. Not to make light of it, but kind of like a tornado warning 
weather conditions are favorable for Watch, a tornado to happen. Watch, warning, tornado, touchdown. Gotcha. It's a very similar way of looking at it. Okay. Right? You're not going to call it a tornado attempt. Yeah. Right? Right. It either did or didn't happen. <coughs> right. So, right. yeah, that's that's a very good analogy. And there's nothing about making light for it. That is a really good analogy. Okay. okay. There's that watch is that kind of that suicide thoughts. Hmm. You're there. It's floating around. The wind is picking up. Mm. The, the clouds are starting to turn correctly. So yeah. people are going, hey, these are favorable, unfavorable conditions. Sure. Right? The tornado is, we're, we're into that zone. Mm. And that's kind of where thoughts are. Like, yeah. Oh, geez, maybe I should end my own life. I don't know. Uh, okay. Maybe I want to, but I know it's a bad idea. That kind mm. of just... Life is too tough. Like a lot of here, I can't take it anymore. That's mm-hmm. usually a good sign that, are you thinking about suicide? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of words and phrases which consistently are almost always used uh-huh. by people who are, are leaning towards suicide. Mm-hmm. And that behavior typically is, you know, you're, you're buying a gun, you're stocking up on pills, you're giving away things that are of mm-hmm. value to you mm-hmm. monetarily or emotionally, mm-hmm. giving away things of value in mm-hmm. uh, mass. Mm-hmm. If somebody gives one thing away, Okay, maybe there was some reason they needed to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But if somebody starts <laughs> giving all their things away, that's a bigger like, why, why, are you, yeah. why are you doing this? And then there's that actual suicide. Yes. So there's kind of those three tiers. Gotcha. Of, yeah, again, I, and I like your tornado analogy. That's mm. a really good analogy mm. of it. Because, yeah, nobody says, you know, a tornado attempted to touch down today. Mm-hmm. It did or didn't. Right. It may not have actually fully formed. Yes. But there was still... Mm-hmm. That sign. Mm-hmm. There was still that intention. There was right. still that behavior yeah. of a tornado. Right. Um, so yeah, there's all that kind of different things. So uh, the big thing about suicide, like I said, is, and what was that quote again? By uh, he's amazed your, your how we mourn suicide, but so frequently deny depression. Right. And that's and that's I love that quote. That is so very very mm. vivid and very distinct. Mm-hmm. And you know, often with terms with depression, people who are dealing with it. There's that whole like, well, why don't you just be happy? Yeah. <laughs> If it was like flipping a switch, we'd uh, all be happy. Uh-huh. You know, it's... Uh. And that's why I always, you know, tell people that, you know, again, not all depressed people suicide and not sure. all people who suicide are depressed. There's right. a lot of different things. But yeah, depression is so ignored. Mm-hmm. Or it's almost like it's it's a black and white issue. Yeah. Either we don't talk about it at all, mm-hmm. or if you're having a bad day, you must be depressed, go talk to Doc. Right. Which may need to happen, but like everybody's allowed to have a bad day. Yeah. And some days life just sucks. Some days you just, just the don't way want to get out of bed. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks that. Does that mean you're depressed because that day you don't want to get out of bed? Mm. Not likely. Yeah. Now, if you have three or four days in a row that you don't want to get out of bed, mm-hmm. it almost doesn't matter whether you do or don't. Mm. That might be signs of depression mm-hmm. where you're just, I just don't want to do this today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get up because I have to, but mm-hmm. I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. Especially in the military where mm. you can't just pick up a phone and call and say, I'm not coming in today. Yeah. Mental health day. (laughs) It's a much bigger situation. Yeah. Um, Which isn't to say that, you know, certain leadership, if you called and you just said, I'm really freaking out here, I need to, can I have a day of special Liberty or something? Mm. A lot of, a lot of people will do that for you. But Mm. yeah, unlike in the civilian world, you could just call up and be like, I'm not coming in. Yeah. Deal with it. That's you. (laughs) You know, um, I'm sick. You just, you call into your chief or your LPO, Mm. your supervisor not coming in today. They're like, you better show up or we're going to have problems. <laughs> yes. So it's, that's kind of that difference too. Mm-hmm. But it's just even realizing, oh, I'm not depressed. Oh, God, I just, I kind of am not feeling it. And it's when that feeling just becomes a regular feeling that mm-hmm. those problems come in. Mm-hmm. I know that for me, because of my background, I'm so public with my background and mm-hmm. I don't mind talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will have friends be on, on edge sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I really often have to say, you know, I am healthy again. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I do question myself all the time. Mm. I do my own little self-checks. Okay. Especially yeah. if I have a few bad days in a row. Sure. Well, where mm. am I? Where's my head at? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm even in counseling right now because I'm being proactive about it. Mm. There's certain things I'm getting ready to transition. I'm getting ready to do all those things, yeah. whether it's this year or next. Mm-hmm. So it's just, let me start figuring some things out. Mm-hmm. Let me start doing that. Yeah. Because, um, hey, first of all, it's free for the military, yeah. so why not get that help while it's free? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is another thing I wish we could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even more so than that, like the other, it was, I guess, a couple months ago, I posted something on Facebook about, like, I'm just done with these days. Ah, yeah. And everyone's like, whoa. And it was just, I think it was something like along those lines. And then the days I just meant like it was the end of the month, trying to figure things out. Like just you're kind of normal, just God, just, mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. Done with this week. Mm-hmm. But it was the way I worded it was like, yeah. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. Now, the unfortunate, I shouldn't say unfortunate. It was not unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the way it was handled, but I won't say it was unfortunate. Okay. Um, somebody saw that. Because on Facebook, there's a few people within my command on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I generally try to keep work and, and life separate, but mm-hmm. today's world, it's kind of tough to do. Yeah. But somebody saw that, reported it to my chief. Oh, my yeah. chief pulled me into his office uh-huh. and was like, hey, what's going on? Somebody saw on Facebook, uh-huh. and we all know that you have suicide his past. Week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? What's going on? Mm. And it took a few minutes of me going, oh, no, chief, I know what you're talking about. You know, Thanks for bringing me in. It's, mm-hmm. I was just frustrated that day. Mm-hmm. I'm healthy. If I wasn't... I would be going to get help beforehand. And mm. I even told him, I was like, I'm already in counseling right now, not mm. because of that, mm-hmm. but just trying to be proactive. Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay, good. I, we just wanted to check. And I'm like, I don't mm. know why that person didn't just come to me directly, uh, but that's a whole nother, at least they did something. Yeah. And that's always the big thing when I do my talks is mm. even if you aren't comfortable saying anything to that person because of relationship, it's somebody you don't really know. Maybe mm. it is somebody who's higher ranked than you and that feels awkward for you to do. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, say something to someone. Mm-hmm. You know, if your chief looks like he's giving those signs of suicide, mm-hmm. go talk to a senior chief or a master chief or go talk to an officer mm-hmm. and just be like, hey, I noticed chief is starting to exhibit signs that a lot of people will be thinking about suicide. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable to as an E3 or an E4 or an E5, whatever you are. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable going to talk to chief, but I wanted you to know so that maybe you could talk to chief. Yeah. Now, of course, whatever that person does at the end of the day is the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But you've done your part. At least you can try to step in and say something. Now, with me and my background, and also because I'm a little bit older and a Mm. little bit less concerned about chain of command, it's me in trouble so many times. (laughs) It's horrible. Uh, I feel you. But I have have gone to a commander Mm. who just, to me, was red flags everywhere. Wow. Work was starting to get a little bit less. I mean, I don't know what officers do on a daily basis because I am just a poor little enlisted. Yeah. But (laughs) when I have a commander that just seems down more than usual. Mm-hmm. And even responses are just kind of m- moot responses to everything. Mm-hmm. And doesn't seem to care about things that he used to laugh and get excited for mm-hmm. are just kind of like, oh yeah, that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. You used mm-hmm. to like go off for 10 minutes about awesome. whatever that it was. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody else was doing that, you would go off and now you're just like, oh, cool. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. So I went, knocked on his door. You know, Sir, do you have a moment to talk? And he was, you know, sure. What do you, what do you need? Mm-hmm. I was an E three at the time. Oh wow. Yeah, not even anything mm-hmm. on my collar. Yeah. You know, I mean, I did, but nothing. I'm a uh-huh. nothing E three. Uh-huh. And I literally was, you know, Sir, do you have a minute? And he was, yeah, sure. What do you need? Because usually it's, you know, I have a question for you mm-hmm. in the sense of I need something. Mm-hmm. I said, do you mind if I shut the door for a minute, sir? Mm. And he was like, um, no, that's fine. Privacy is fine. 
And so I shut the door and I was like, sir, this isn't my place, Mm. but everybody here knows my background. Mm. I've been noticing your behavior the last few days. Have you been thinking about suicide at all? Mm. Point blank asked him the question. Yeah. And the look on his face was like shocked. There was an initial like need to cover. Like, what are you talking about? Get out of my office. This Mm -hmm. isn't your place. Mm -hmm. And he actually did one of not just smart for his own health, Mm. but really one of the bravest things that you can do as a human to human, let alone commander to E3. Yeah. He looked at me, he said, you know what? I'm not, but I might be if I don't get help. Mm. That that's amazing. Yeah, and it was literally just that whole, like, maybe he thought nobody saw. Maybe uh, he thought nobody cared, even if they did see it. Because mm. that's a lot of times that's what you think, is nobody cares, even if they do. Because mm-hmm. obviously they would have said something. Right. Now. Mm-hmm. But there's so much stigma, nobody says anything. Yeah. So And that's what he's saying. He kind of stopped. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go make an appointment at mental health mm. and, <laughs> and try to start figuring some things out. Mm. I said, okay, sir. I said, if I may step way outside of appropriate bounds for a moment. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he's already starting to smile. Because at this point, I've already passed appropriate bounds. Of course. Five minutes ago. Yeah. I said, would you mind giving mental health permission to confirm you have an appointment to me? <laughs> Not that I'm going to ask anything about it, uh-huh. when, where, but just for your health and well-being, mm-hmm. would you mind telling them that I'm going to call and confirm the appointment? Hmm. Because I care about you as, as one of my officers hmm. and as a human being. Hmm. And he kind of looked and he was like, that's way past professional boundaries. Yeah. And he looked really stern. Uh-huh. And I was like, I've gone too far. <laughs> and he's like, but I'll talk to him and let him know you can confirm it. Hmm. And I was like, and that's it. And I'll step away. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure you made the appointment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did a couple of days later and I called and they, you know, they were kind of laughing like, this is really weird, but. He said this to let you know, yeah, he made the appointment. That's... <laughs> and it was really kind of like this wow. bizarre, just going HIPAA and everything like but that. No, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's remarkable. I mean, th- right. let alone that he let you bring it up and didn't just dismiss you right. uh, when he first brought it up, but the fact that he went so right. far. Because, I mean, you know, as an officer, you could see that as someone maybe trying to get some dirt on you or something. Right. Because it is kind of cutthroat in certain environments. Oh, no, it definitely, uh, it definitely is. That's, that's but that's also where my you. background helps. He knows yeah. my background. Sure. So he knows yeah. it wasn't just a, a black male material. Yeah. Or at least, you know, hoped it wasn't maybe. Mm-hmm. He knew my background because yeah. there's certainly enough dirt on me that people know, but it's public, mm-hmm. so it's hard to blackmail somebody yeah. who puts it out. But exactly. anyway, uh, it was. And I mean, I I, mean, wow. I could have gone to mast for inappropriate behavior. I mean, uh-huh. I, there's a lo- I took a huge risk for doing that. And yeah. I don't say that to pump myself up. Mm-hmm. But it's just because I care. Yeah. And it was just a matter of, I don't care how if I get keel-hauled into chief's office, mm-hmm. I'll deal with that. Yeah. And, you know, it worked out, fortunately for him. And, mm-hmm. you know, he hopefully got the help that he needed. Yeah. So, um, and again, nothing was ever said. I never said anything to him again. Mm-hmm. He never mentioned, he never even necessarily thanked me for that moment. In the, in the moment he did, but not yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't need it because it's not about things. It's yeah. about the fact that he wasn't thinking about it yet, but uh-huh. could have. And even if he'd have responded like, no, I'm, I'm just having some rough days. Mm. All right, sir. I just wanted to check. Mm. You know, that could have been the end of it too. Yeah. And I always tell people mm. because it's better to have the moment to say something. People are going to get pissed at you. Mm. More often than not, they're going to get angry for the question. Because mm-hmm. whether or not you're not, it's a very intrusive question. Mm. But I'd rather have somebody get pissed at me, mm-hmm. even to the chance of my career, mm. than to find out 
a week later they suicided mm-hmm. and I said nothing. Yeah. And then there's all that guilt I have to deal with. Yeah. You know, which is an unfortunate part of life. And again, I don't, I'm not certainly mocking or belittling anyone who didn't say anything and they're now dealing with guilt because mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. But just because of my background and the difference it made when nobody knew mm. or said anything versus when somebody did say something and called the police. Mm-hmm. It made it, it's, it's a lot more real when police are showing up at your door. <laughs> yeah. You know, asking if you have any weapons or anything. Mm. And, you know, like, I guess I'm going to the hospital tonight because uh, either way I'm going. So mm-hmm. I guess I'll go. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes a difference in that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, suicide is a tough situation, but it very much is an important one to talk about. Mm-hmm. So not only with my background and sharing my background often, mm-hmm. uh, I've had, I've shared my story with Marines in K-Bay. I've had mm. COs and other officers come in and, you know, they're doing a stand down or they're doing some kind of, you know, 101 days of summer program or something mm. like that, where we all go through the, the litany of trainings you have to do. <laughs> yeah. But my story is a lot better than a PowerPoint. Yes, absolutely. And not to say anything about my story, but let's be honest, nobody wants to sit down to an hour of PowerPoint. Death by PowerPoint. Forget the topic. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh my God, you know, 90% right. of the slides don't matter to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody who's coming in and the first thing they say is, I tried to suicide twice. Mm. I'm listening now. Yeah, yeah. Because this is not just a slide show. And somebody might be thinking this. It's, mm-hmm. I thought this. Yeah. And I should have died and didn't. Mm-hmm. And that makes, wow. you know, you're, you're automatically going, oh, okay, now I'm listening. Uh-huh. Now this guy actually has something to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only was sharing my story, and again, putting it on YouTube for the same reason, trying to get that out there and talk about it. Sure. Uh, but I also teach suicide intervention skills mm. on the island. It's a nice. program called ASSIST, okay. which stands, for, and it's not even spelled correctly, which puts my <laughs> poor English teacher brain in a twist. <laughs> but it's Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training. Mm. And it's literally what to do if somebody you encounter mm. is in the middle of a suicide act. Wow. Or in that suicide behavior, like we talked about, getting rid of things, mm. not talking to anybody, isolating all the different signs that mm-hmm. go on. And it doesn't teach you how to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. It's not the point of the training. Sure. It's literally intervention-only skills. Another okay. term they use is keeping you safe for now, mm. whether it's the next hour, the next weekend, the next day, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. How can we get you to long-term help? Mm-hmm. You are not the long-term. We stress that. You are not the long-term help. Mm-hmm. You might not even ever see that person again, mm. but you're driving down the road, and what's one of the exercises we do? You're driving down the road, and you come with somebody standing on a bridge, mm. staring down into the water. Uh-huh not talking they're not fishing they're not yeah. just standing there mm-hmm. yeah, especially somebody fully dressed kind of makes you go <laughs> what's you doing yeah and that's one of the exercises we do is trying to learn how to talk to that person huh. and say what you need to say and to one realize even if they're not saying suicide mm-hmm. listen to when they're saying suicide yeah even in their responses and so it's a two-day training Hmm. that we literally sit there and we help people walk through the process. It's very intentional. It's very direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Living Works is the name of the company in, mm. in Canada. It's a Canada-based company. Okay. Very structured. They've been doing it since the 80s. Ah. Uh, it's very well done. It, it's a perfect program. And we teach people, you know, it's it's a program, but it's going to be modified in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's cookie cutter, but it's a cookie cutter that works. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the moment, you might veer off of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if you stay within these points, you're you're going to help that person unless they just jump off the bridge. Mm. But the idea is to what do you do to keep that from happening? Yeah. And so I train people in that too, because again, I can draw off of that 
knowing, you know, again, every story is different. Everybody has their reasons. And I always mm -hmm. tell people, you can ask me what somebody thought when they suicided. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew my, my coworker, my uncle, my brother, my father. Yeah. What were they thinking? I can't tell you that. Yeah. But I might be able to give us some insight into what could have been going on. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, it's, it's not always depressed blackness. Sometimes sure. it's very clear thinking. Mm-hmm but it is still very damaged thinking. Yeah. It's very, again, and damage is not permanent. Mm. Damage can be fixed. Yeah. And so you're trying to get it to that point where that person gets repaired, mm -hmm. not destroying their life. Mm. A couple things. Um, mm -hmm. Well, first, like, uh, when you're talking, when you're intervening, um, like, where's the line between talking and listening or, you know, what to say, what not to say? Because sometimes you can motivate them to jump faster, so to speak, you know? Because I, I know in my experience, and maybe this is just coming from a, a, a situational depression perspective, um, just being able to, to communicate what I'm going through um, or um, not, or feeling alone, you know, um, feeling isolated sure. um, and just being able to have my feelings validated just to know I'm heard. You know, yep. that, 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 that's, that's just my experience, my framework. Um, and I've, I've, some of my, my friends through Facebook have, um, said similar things. Sure. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Uh, what exactly was the question in there? Yeah. Um, I think I know where you're going, but I don't want to assume anything. So yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Um, like where's the line between talking and listening or what to say, what not to say, I guess. Okay. Um, so the what to say, what not to say is very situationally dictated. Mm. So uh, again, it's without looking at a, here's the problem. You can't yeah. really look at what to say, what not to say. Okay, sure. So there's no formula basically. Or there's a formula, but there's no script. Gotcha. That's a better way of looking at it. Okay. okay. There's very much a formula sure. to follow, Okay. but it's not a straight script. Right. It's not a, now I'm going to say this. Right. Okay. Um, as you learn, and that's why we do practice, we do role playing with it. So if mm. somebody comes back with this, you could say that, mm -hmm. but it's all within that moment. But to answer the, where's the line between talking and listening, mm -hmm. I'm going to put my own Jenkins statistic out there. It's not a living works or another format or, mm -hmm. but I would say that 95% of people who suicide or are thinking of suicide just want to be heard. Okay. More often than not, they don't expect anyone to have a solution. Okay. A lot of times they don't want someone to come up with a solution. They want the solution for themselves, mm. but they just want someone to listen. Mm -hmm. They just want someone who's going to just hear them mm -hmm. without judgment, without mocking, without trying to fix it. Mm hmm more often than not, it's, I just want someone to listen. Mm -hmm. So depending on how willing that person is to talk, because trust is a big thing, obviously. And yes. even if I want someone to listen, until I trust you're going to actually listen, yeah. I may not share right away. Mm. I may give one word responses. I may give one sentence responses. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just clarify, okay, you said nothing matters. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't it matter? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. Okay, well, could you give me one thing that doesn't matter? Mm. And so you don't try to get the whole story right at once. It's, right. you know, well, what happened today mm -hmm. to make you stand on this bridge? Or what happened yesterday that now you're giving away all your 
DVDs on the ship. Mm. And of course, shipboard life, DVDs are like gold because <laughs> yeah. that's all you're doing on your off time. Mm-hmm. So things like that. I just know that from somebody who was on a ship and dealt with a suicide, and that's what was happening. That's, mm. And they even said, yeah, DVDs on a ship, that's that's your lifeblood because there's not much else to do. So sure. you're giving away entertainment. It's like, huh. um, what's going on, dude? Yeah. This is not, you know, you're not loaning them out. You're literally going, here's my collection. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Mm. What? Yeah. So the, the line between thinking and listening, there isn't one. It's mm. a dialogue. Okay. You're trying to get that person to talk because the person who's talking is not suiciding. Makes sense. Very, very simply. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds obvious, but it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it's literally that obvious. If you mm-hmm. get them to talk, mm-hmm. even if they're just, oh, it doesn't matter. Okay, I understand it doesn't matter, but why doesn't it matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And you, you, and it teaches you this, this course especially, but all kinds of suicide intervention trainings teaches you how to listen mm. so you're not just you're not just hearing people or you're not just listening but you're hearing yeah you know anybody or you're not just hearing you're listening however mm. you want to word it it's kind of the same way you're engaging you know your ears will hear any mm-hmm. sounds that come your way if your ears are working properly yes but listening mm-hmm. is a conscious choice yeah you know, I could sit here talking all day, and even though your ears are there, headphones are on, mm. you could be thinking about what's for dinner, and you're not really listening. Mm-hmm. You're hearing everything I'm saying. Right. You're not listening. Mm-hmm. In a suicide intervention, it's the same way. Mm-hmm. It's not just sitting there with a script, waiting for the next line you're supposed to say. It's listening within that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, the big pivot, there's two big pivot points in a suicide intervention. Mm. The first one is getting suicide out on the table. Mm. Sometimes it might happen right away. Sometimes it might not. But eventually the question needs to be asked, are you thinking about suicide? Mm-hmm. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about taking your own life? Mm-hmm. Not hurting yourself, not damaging yourself, not all these things. Mm-hmm. Not bad questions. Yeah. But like for me, uh, my suicide, like are you thinking about hurting yourself? Nope. Because <laughs> to me it was a way to end everything. Sure. It was a solution. A it cure was a all. relief. Mm-hmm. It was a cure. Mm-hmm. It wasn't hurting. Yeah. So the question was a genuine question. It was sure. a good question, but it wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. Versus, are you thinking about killing yourself? Well, that's cut and dry. Yeah. Regardless of the good or the bad of doing it, mm-hmm. that's the act. So cut you focus the, the question on the ask. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about suicide? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about killing yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about taking your own life? Mm-hmm. There's no way to massage that question around. Like, are you hurting yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you you know, not sure what you're talking, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first big thing. If that person says no, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it can be followed up with, well, you know, a lot of the way that you're acting is the way that people who suicide act. (laughs) So I don't, I'm not really sure. Maybe you don't even realize you were thinking about it yet. Hmm. Maybe that's something you're thinking about it and you don't realize it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that follow-up question will make people go, oh, you're right. Hmm. I wasn't thinking about it, but you're right that I might be. Hmm. And so you just kind of go, oh, okay, maybe this is a little <laughs> more serious than even I thought, uh-huh. and I'm the one that's in, at risk. Yeah. So once you get somebody to actually talk about, yes, I am talking about killing myself, mm. then you try to find out why. Mm. Not to be intrusive, yeah. not to button somebody's business, mm-hmm. and because you'll have that too, why do you even care? You're trying to get in my business. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. I don't think taking your life is a good idea, but we already know that. I don't have to tell you that. I just want to know why. Mm. You know, I just, I'm just here to listen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's even right there. You're like, 
I'm not saying that you can't. I would just like to know why. Mm-hmm. And so there's still sometimes it's more dialogue. It's not always people might respond right away, might not. Mm-hmm. But the next point is, okay, we now know you're talking about suicide. What can we do to keep you safe right now? Hmm. I'm not removing suicide from the options, mm-hmm. but I'd like to remove it right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say, you know, most people when they're thinking about suicide, it's black and white. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill myself. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm healthy. I'm not healthy. Mm-hmm. So assist and many of these other programs brings in a third option. You know, am I going to die? Am I not going to die? Mm-hmm. Am I going to stay alive? Am I not going to stay alive? Right. Well, instead of looking at that big forever questions, mm-hmm. it comes into, can I stay alive right now? Because that's kind of where the mindset is, is the immediacy. It's in the immediacy. It's within the moment. Yeah. So it's, I'm not saying that you're not going through hell right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, can we figure out what the hell is? Yeah. If it's a gun, can we give somebody the gun? Mm-hmm. If it's you know alcohol, maybe we should keep you away from the bar. If it's drugs, a prescription, can we give that prescription to somebody else right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so what? What is the immediate moment? If it's the bridge, can we at least get you off the bridge right now? Maybe mm-hmm. there's somebody you know that we can talk to. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's somebody who really does care. You just really didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's, all right, you want to go call your sister because maybe she'll listen. How about you call right now and I'll stand right here and you can talk to her. Mm-hmm. And the big thing is realizing you're not going to talk that person all the way through all the steps. Sure. And you can even be point like, I'm just here to try to help get you to someone who can help you long term. Mm-hmm. You can point place that there's nothing wrong in saying that. Mm-hmm. I care, but I'd be lying if I said I'm going to be here the whole time. Yeah. But I want to help you find someone who can be there the whole time. Because you can also see through the bullshit of someone just right. trying to. I'll be with you all the way. And you're mm-hmm. like, not a chance. Nope. <laughs> but if you hear someone goes, you know what? I can't be with you all the way. But I want to help find help you find someone, help us find someone who can help you the whole way. Mm-hmm. So you're being oh, honest. Okay. And yeah. And again, honesty is that big thing. Mm-hmm. It was just that whole like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not saying that you're not going to let me suicide. You just want me to think about it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess I could do that. Mm-hmm. Now, again, at the end of the day, the person might say, nope, and they might jump. And that's all you can do is go, well, okay. I mean, so it's, you know, it's not an all purpose, you know, complete fail safe. Yeah. But it's just stepping in and trying to get that person talking Mm -hmm. and then get that person to longer care term. And that's, that's the whole point of, of that program is Mm -hmm. you're just an intervention. You're there for that moment, Mm -hmm. whether by choice or whether by circumstance, you're there. What can you do about it? Mm -hmm. Uh, from your experience in this uh, service over the years, what do you think could or needs to be done to kind of dissipate that stigma surrounding? Talk about it. Mm. Less PowerPoint, more stories. Mm. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not my story, talk about stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know, you know, Robin Williams was one of the biggest suicides over the last few years. Yeah. Right? Because everybody in the world knew Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. But how many people really knew Rob Williams? And he wasn't shy about it. He talked about his alcohol abuse, his drug mm-hmm. abuse. He talked about his depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't realize that he was just diagnosed with, all, with uh, Parkinson's mm. early stage. Mm. So that probably, probably, I don't know, because I'm sure. not there. I'm not his therapist. I uh-huh. wasn't involved. I don't even know the guy. Mm-hmm. 
But that may have played a part where he just went, I've fought so much, I just can't handle another fight right now. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's the world that he lived in. Mm-hmm. Chris Cornell, just last week. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Big one that, from the few things I've read, I haven't read a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't a big Soundgarden fan. I don't know much about the music at all. Mm-hmm. But from the few things I have read, not even his wife knew. Mm. It literally was just... Out of the blue. You know, I knew that you thought things weren't great. I didn't realize they were that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, again, not everybody who suicides is depressed. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there's a great... I'm trying to remember this article now I just read. Uh, and it was basically that there are essentially three reasons that people suicide. Hmm. Uh, and, again, it's somebody's generalization, but there's a lot of truth to the generalization. Mm-hmm. And it's usually because of uh, some trauma, mm-hmm. you know, abuse, sexual abuse, violence, things like that. Yeah. Um, trauma causes that reason. Mm. Uh, that can even include financial trauma. They can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, substance abuse, mm. alcohol, drugs, twists your brain in, into thinking that. Or you just you know you want to stop, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of substance abuse. And then essentially it's, Again, I'm trying to remember the exact wording, but essentially a, a brain chemical disorder mm. where you're not depressed. You yeah. don't have any substance issues. Mm-hmm. There's something that's gone wrong in your wiring that tells you, hey, you should jump off this bridge right now. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. And that is an unfortunate reality that a lot of people who suicide uh, or have especially survived suicides mm-hmm talk about the fact that like there was no there's nothing leading up to it mm-hmm. it was just like all of a sudden it was like hey you should go hang yourself mm. what yeah and there's just something in in your brain that's just not wired right mm-hmm. and that might have been in the situation with chris cornell that may have been that it may have mm-hmm. just been some kind of chemical or electrical miswiring mm-hmm. that and again i haven't read a lot about his case in particular so i'm not mm-hmm. saying that i know everything like i said i've read a couple little small snippets mm. not much yeah um where it was just in that moment where the moment where you know, his brain said to do it mm-hmm. there was no fail safe sure. he wasn't with people he wasn't around things he mm-hmm. was just his brain said do it there was nothing to tell him not to do it mm-hmm. so, and it happened yeah um mm-hmm. so that's kind of that difference too like i said in and suicide is one of those sneaky little bastards mm-hmm. that uh, sometimes the person who suicides doesn't even know they're thinking it. Mm. If you ask the question, it might trigger it. Sure. But which is why asking the question is so important. Mm-hmm. But like with my first attempt, if you had asked me that morning, mm-hmm. are you going to try to suicide tonight? What the yeah. frick are you talking about? <laughs> no. Why would I do that? Yeah. Well, yeah, life sucks right now, but that's a completely ridiculous question. Yeah. But it might have got me thinking, oh, mm-hmm. geez, am I thinking about that? Mm. Or why are they asking? What's yeah. going on that they yeah. see that I don't? Uh-huh. Uh, so sometimes, again, just that question can spark something in someone that goes, maybe things are worse than I realize. Mm-hmm. So I should figure <laughs> this out. Yeah. Um, and again, even if you had asked me an hour before my first attempt, mm-hmm. I probably would have been like, this is completely ridiculous. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Why would I do that? Yeah. But again, then it might have me think, why are they asking that? Mm-hmm. Something is triggering in them. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should take a second and think about, geez, you know what? I'm not. 
Yeah. But maybe I need help because you're seeing something I'm not seeing. Right. right. So that's why, again, just talking about it is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Just taking it out of the corner. Let's let's talk about it. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though, like I said, with my background, if I'm if I'm having an off day or if I seem depressed or if mm-hmm. I seem, you know, off my game, mm-hmm. I'll have friends be like, "Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Are you uh, gonna be okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just pissed right now. I'll be." <laughs> Be fine in you know, yeah. a couple hours, and mm-hmm. you're not you're not thinking about another suicide, right? No, no, no. I'm good. I appreciate. And I always say I appreciate the question, but sure. no, mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And because uh, again, you never know. It's it's that whole once you do it, you know, you, you've officially fought that battle. Yeah. So yeah, you're gonna struggle with it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, it's been fortunate that I haven't. I've been in some really tight situations. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, one of the biggest tells that I am healthy mm-hmm. and that I'm past it mm-hmm. uh, was about a year ago. Stupid mistakes happen, mm-hmm. especially in the military, where, as we said, perception is reality. Yeah. Where you can be 10% wrong, 90% getting to captain's mast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't go to mast, but it was threatened. I, made mm-hmm. it, I just lied about a meeting, and I was, it was stupid. Mm-hmm. Stupid thing that everybody does, I got caught for it. Yeah. Um, and then I lied about it on top of it. So uh. it was it was stupid, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was not, you know, I accidentally gave away the codes to the nukes. You know, it was not <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very small on the scale of bad, but right. it was still disobeying a direct order mm-hmm. indirectly. It was, it was bad. It was a stupid mistake. Mm-hmm. And my immediate chain of command, my E5 that was over me, mm-hmm. And my first class that was over me were livid about it. Mm. And again, it was perception being mm-hmm. reality. Right. Where it was, I was 10% wrong, but then 90% assumption yeah. of everything else I did that was wrong. Of course. Which was not remotely what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it was up to them, if my chief hadn't stopped them, I would have gone to at least disciplinary review board, oh, yeah. which is usually step one before captain's mast, which... Mm means loss of rank, loss of pay grade, all those kind of things, potentially. Mm-hmm. The CO captain can always come back and say, no, you're not going to get anything, don't do it again. Right. But the whole process is kind of a black mark, you know, in your department at least, yeah. even if you come through it clean. Mm-hmm. So, and I went through a few days of, oh, God, what? Ah, like, mm-hmm. my entire career is over. I might go to MAST. I might lose rank. I might lose money. And I was in a point financially where... I couldn't afford to lose money. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't. Yeah. Uh, so I was already like, and then this thing, because like all these dominoes started falling, but there were no dominoes that I put down. Mm-hmm. It was just a whole series of events. Mm-hmm. But throughout that, suicide was never a consideration for me. That's good. Which for me was a good thing that I realized I could face all of that falling apart mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Unfortunately, it all fell back together. Yeah. But that's very much a I'm just going to suicide moment mm-hmm. because I might lose career, my character, my reputation, my everything is on on the risk of falling apart. Mm-hmm. And again, fortunately, it was all restored. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was very much that high, high stress moment, to say the least. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me was realizing it was tough. I mean, I had definitely was, it was a lot of stress, a lot of things, but mm-hmm. never once did I just decide... Mm. I'm just going to end it all mm-hmm. and we'll just, I won't go to mast cause I won't be alive. Yeah. Uh, not a good response. Yeah. So the fact that it never considered, I never crossed my mind. It mm-hmm. never was a, a serious moment. 
Mm-hmm. Of course it comes through your head because you can't help your own thoughts. Mm. But it was just like, no, what? No, I'm not going to yeah. kill myself over this. That's incredibly uh-huh. stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, in that moment, it makes sense that my brain would go, hey, here's an option. Mm-hmm. Don't do that option. That's a bad idea. Yeah. So, yeah, suicide's a, a big deal. But, mm-hmm. again, just being able to talk about it publicly, mm-hmm. uh, and it's unfortunate, but, of course, when celebrities do suicide it makes people talk. Yeah. And those can be the moments sometimes where, I mean, look at everything that happened in the news and in kind of the media world when Rob Williams died. Mm -hmm. All the experts came out of nowhere and people were being interviewed and subjects came up and Mm -hmm. it was all over the news for months. Yeah. It's kind of died away again because that's the stigma has come back. Mm -hmm. But at least it got people talking. It got people asking, especially with Rob Williams where it was out of the blue. Yeah. And Chris Cornell, which was even more so. I mean, nobody, mm-hmm. at least Robin Williams, you knew he had struggles. Yeah. So it was like, God dang it, okay. Mm-hmm. Chris Cornell was even more, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. And now again, I don't think anyone would fault me for saying Chris Cornell was a much lesser celebrity than Robin Williams, mm-hmm. at least to anybody who didn't listen to that style of music. Mm-hmm. But it was still a celebrity. It was all over Facebook, all over the news, all over media, all yeah. different kind of things. Mm-hmm. And it got people talking about it, and mm-hmm. especially in his case, where it really was out of the blue. Yeah. It just go to, goes to show that literally anybody can be struggling with it mm-hmm. at any time. Right. Um, kind of like the show on Netflix, 13 Reasons? 13 Reasons Why? Yeah. 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 I, Jen just finished watching it, and uh, I haven't taken the time to watch it yet myself because um, there's so many other shows I want to watch. But uh, I've, heard, I've heard largely mixed, well, mixed reactions, largely negative. Like uh, the reasons, like it's like kind of taking responsibility off yourself or whatever, but um, at least it's getting people talking about it, yeah? Sure. And you almost hit the primary argument on the head. Mm. Um, and the argument, especially among uh, experts, and I am not an expert, but I sit in a lot of meetings with experts mm. because of my role in my mm-hmm. uh, off time, Yeah, is... It's pretty much, I wouldn't say it's 50-50, mm-hmm. but it definitely seems to be falling on one of two sides. Either mm-hmm. the, yeah, but at least people are talking about it and we can steer the conversation in the right direction, mm-hmm. which is always a good thing, mm. versus the, it seems to be glamorizing suicide uh, as an act of revenge. Uh, because I haven't seen the show either, but okay. based on how I've seen it, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all your fault that I have suicided. Mm-hmm. And so now I can make it just how much of a point of how much of a jack wagon you were mm-hmm. to cause me to die. Mm-hmm. Not to mention what often happens in TV shows and movies with a suicide mm-hmm. is you have that locker that becomes a shrine. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, the, the tree is planted in your memory. Right. You know, I'm thinking of Glee, which also had a, didn't mm-hmm. have a suicide. It was a death though. Uh. Um, but just that kind of when somebody unexpectedly dies, mm-hmm. uh, it's that it kind of glamorizes that, that mm-hmm. moment of, well, geez, people care about, I want candles in front of my locker. I want, you know, flowers at the spot where I died. Yeah. Um, and in real life, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody marks the bridge. Yeah. The locker is cleaned up and put away. Mm-hmm. You might have a few flowers or a couple of notes for a couple of hours there, mm-hmm. but then that's all brushed away because life goes on. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate reality that it is. Mm-hmm. So it, it glamorizes like I can be remembered forever if I take my own life. Mm-hmm. It's not case yeah at all hmm. but again it gets people talking and people don't realize that the teen suicide rate hmm. is astronomical hmm. there are kids 12 to 14 years old mm-hmm. 
actually suiciding, hmm. not just talking about it, but they feel like their life is so difficult mm-hmm. that they're taking their own life at that age. There is uh, kind of recently, in the last year or so, uh, a rash of live streaming suicides on Facebook. Yep. Because hmm. it's that whole idea where my life is so put out there in the public and social media is such a big thing mm. that all of the Instagram follows I can get, well, I'm going to get them all now by taking my own life. Mm. Which, again, makes me believe it's more of that brain chemical imbalance mm-hmm. causing me to do this because okay. a lot of it's social pressure. I mean, especially for a teenage, it's a lot different mm-hmm. when you and I were teenagers. Yeah. And, I'm so, you know, yeah, so glad we missed that. Which, you know, thank <laughs> God YouTube and Snapchat was not a thing when I was a kid mm-hmm. uh, for many reasons. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there was no Instagram follows to have, there was not, you know, Twitter likes mm-hmm. to be had. Because it they didn't exist. The yeah. internet barely existed when we were kids. Right. Let alone it being something on your phone. Because mm-hmm. cell phones weren't even a thing. Yeah. Really. Not so much. When we were in high school starting Ish. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but even then they were, you know, the big bricks that made <laughs> phone calls. And right. that was about it. It mm-hmm. didn't really do anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now your average phone has a you know Radio Shack ad in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, crap. I'm sorry. I just... The time has flown by. Look at that. Yeah. Um, Jen? Huh? Uh, are your parents bringing Stormy over shortly, or are we going to get him? No, he's taking a nap, so they're waiting for him to wake up. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, okay. Convenient nap time. Yes, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> a few times he's napped this week. Um, yeah, but we're we're at two hours. This is the longest, I think. Maybe the one with my dad is a little longer, but uh, we can, we can uh, just stall. No, just kidding. Um, Whatever you need to do, like I said, it's... Well, one question I did want to talk about. We can flip topics, too, if you need to, on whatever oh, you want to do. No. Um, what's what's it all about? Life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your philosophy or perspective? Or Life is not just a cereal. Um, ah, uh, Mikey likes it. There it is. There <laughs> it is. What is life all about? That is a great question. Yeah. Uh, one question I haven't asked new friends. Mm. Uh, not necessarily the first time we're hanging out, but it's something I like. It's my way of getting to know people. Okay. Uh, once you kind of get past that acquaintance level mm-hmm. and you know truly start becoming friends with someone. Sure. And the question I ask, very similar to yours, mm. is if you could describe in five words or less mm. what you would want on your tombstone, oh. what would it say? Pepperoni. Peppers. Ah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. There it is. There it is. Uh, so it's that kind of question, though, is it really mm. makes you kind of think, it's the same idea, what's life all about? What's mm-hmm. the purpose? Sure. Uh, something I'm still trying to figure out in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. What is what is my purpose? What mm-hmm. is my reason for being? Yeah. Uh, and I think in some ways you are always asking yourself that question constantly. Mm. I agree. Uh, but the answer I would have to that question I've had for years, uh, I've learned some new things about myself which are good. Mm. Um, and it's, it's steered the mm-hmm. direction a little bit more. But I would say that the answer to that, five words or less, is still the same. Mm. And it is, I know... He loved me. Hmm. He with a capital H? However you want to word it. Okay. Could be me. I could be the he you're referring to. Oh, okay. Can you impact that a little bit? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What does that mean? Like, from my background context, that uh, leads to God. I know God, the Father, loved me. Um, But then you brought up it could be someone else. So do please. Right. (laughs) So, and the way, that's the way that I, that I mean it particularly, Okay, is that I am the he in that sentence. You are. So anyone who you're talking about me, huh? 
your response and your statement is, I know Jenkins loved me. Oh. Whether I barely knew you uh-huh. or whether you were an intimate partner mm-hmm. or whether you were someone on the street I encountered one day, mm-hmm. you would walk away from that knowing that I cared about you. Hmm. There's many different forms of love. Mm-hmm. right? From erotic love to platonic love to community love to mm-hmm. all those different kinds of love. Mm-hmm. And in that phrase is all of those kinds of love mm-hmm. based on what was my relationship with you. Hmm. Okay. And so the way that I try to live my life is every action that I do is geared towards that phrase. Hmm. Now I am human. I am imperfect. And <laughs> I mess that up on a regular basis. Hmm. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, I can't do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. I try. Every day I try to be better towards it. Sure. But I try to gear my actions towards somebody can walk away going, at the end of the day, I know that Jenkins cared about my well-being. Hmm. Whether it's somebody, whether it's a store employee that I encountered trying to find a bath mat for my house, or whether it's you know, a kid in a playground, whether it's a, another shipmate at work, mm-hmm. whether it's a family member, you know, whether it's my kids, if I should ever have any, hmm. whatever the relationship is, mm-hmm. that's how I try to steer my life. So that person walks away going, this is someone I know cared about. Hmm. This is someone who took the time I needed for whatever that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I've definitely done that wrong. I've gone too far off, gone above and beyond. I've had people take advantage of me. I've let people take advantage of me, mm-hmm. uh, which is an unfortunate part of that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's learning how do you be strong for yourself mm-hmm. and not give people tons of money under the guise of a loan, mm-hmm. never get that money back, suddenly stop giving them money and they no longer talk to you. Yeah. Been there, done that, probably mm-hmm. given thousands of dollars over the years to friends mm-hmm. who suddenly stopped being friends when the money stopped. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate lesson learned on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I have friends who have stepped in and sent me money mm-hmm. when I needed it. Mm-hmm because of the fact they know I always cared and I was always there. Mm. And now I'm in that spot. So mm-hmm. it's that, that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's that, oh, I hate, it's almost a cliche, you know, life is all about love. Mm. But to me, it really is. Okay. Because, and again, part of it comes back to the suicide thing. If you don't think anybody cares, there's no point. Right. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I'm going to declare my undying love for you. And that's what I mean for that. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's a separate thing, Mm -hmm. but you, you can still have as funny as it sounds. Again, it's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. You can have forever love for the waiter at the restaurant you had dinner with last night. Mm -hmm. You can have a forever love with your mailman. You can have, should have a fellow, a forever love with your family. Mm-hmm. Caring about their well um, welfare. And yeah. You can have a forever love towards the complete stranger in the mall you just walked past. Because mm-hmm. hmm. all that takes is a smile. One of the toughest things is especially here in Hawaii mm. is loving the homeless. Yeah. Yeah, that, I don't even, it's just, <laughs> let's just let everybody listening not, uh, stew on that statement for a minute. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that also because, again, without going into another hour of dialogue, <laughs> I was homeless growing up. Really? 
I've dug food out of trash cans because I was hungry and didn't know what I was going to eat next. Oh. In New Hampshire? Mm-hmm. I know. I, well, of course I had no idea. Hardly know you. But. Right. <laughs> um, right. Wow. So okay. huh. uh, my own background has made me pause a little bit more when it comes to seeing some of the homeless. But I still sure. do the same thing. I ignore. I don't make eye contact. I mm. I pretend I don't hear the, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Mm-hmm. Hello, sir. I mm-hmm. pretend I don't hear it and I walk going. Mm-hmm. Problem is, I feel guilty about it because I was that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you truly want to know someone, mm-hmm. watch how they treat the people that don't matter. You hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. True power is not the people that you're in charge of yeah. or the people that are in charge of you. Yeah. True power is the people who can do nothing for you. Exactly. And who are, who are, yeah, the powerless. You said that. Essentially. Yeah. Right? Mm. And that's the idea is, you know, don't watch how, mm. you know, if, again, I use kind of the dating because that's where I'm in right now. Mm. If I want to know someone about someone I'm dating, I'm not going to watch how they treat the waiter. Yeah. I'm not going to watch how they treat, you know, the valet. Mm. Now, that certainly can play a part. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to watch how they treat the kids screaming in the next booth. Mm. I'm going to watch how they treat the genuine bum in Waikiki. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch how they treat the stranger that bumped into them in the store. Hmm. Yeah. That will tell me more than anything that person says to my face mm-hmm. about who they are and how they see the world. Yeah. Because love isn't necessarily, um, as the immortal artist Boston put it, uh, just a feeling. It's more than a feeling. And DC Talks says love is a verb. It's what you do. But it's, it's, it's what even, you do. Even biblically, love without action is meaningless. Mm-hmm. And it's what you do in the everyday, in the mundane, uh, not when you're putting your best foot forward on a date trying to impress someone or um, anything like that. Just, yeah, I like that. And so that's how I try to live my life. Again, I'm not perfect with it. Of course. I still have bad days. Mm-hmm. I still have moments where, like I said, I <clears throat> ignore the people in the street. Mm-hmm. But even people street, hey, do you have a dollar? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't give you a dollar. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, you know, they might swear at me. They might cuss me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I try to avoid lying. You know, can mm. I have a dollar? I don't have any money on me, and here I am. I have you know twenty bucks in my pocket. Mm. Um, mm. Now, and it's unfortunate that, of course, the other side of, it, especially with homeless, again, going off into a whole another dialogue, yeah. uh, is the manipulators are causing problems for the genuine needs. That's why we can't have nice things. Right? So it's the same thing where, for me, it was so tough mm. because especially as I got older and still homeless Mm -hmm. and especially even as an adult and I was homeless, Mm. I am a strong adult, healthy white male. Ah, mm -hmm. I'm I'm a a throw race into it too. Mm, Okay. Right. Please do. Why can't I get a job? Mm. Why am I begging? Mm -hmm. Even if I would give to homeless, I'm not going to give to you because you'll probably be okay. I'm going to give to this lesser individual over there. Hmm. And even that's an attitude of judgment. Yeah, you're helping the homeless, but you're not helping anybody who needs it. You're still mm. selecting. Mm. Now, you have the right to do that. Mm. I'm not saying you don't. Sure. But there's still an element of judgment, too. Mm. You don't know my background. Mm-hmm. You don't know where I'm coming from. Yeah. I have lived in places. People have opened up their homes to me. Mm. And I say it jokingly because that's my kind of sense of humor, and the military didn't help that at all. <laughs> but I basically became Cinderfella. 
Okay. To the point where I was point blank told, if I don't contribute to cleaning the house, I cannot stay there. Hmm. Which is kind of a slap in the face when you realize I have nowhere else to go. Hmm. So your ultimatum is not an ultimatum. It's not like you get your head out of butt and do your job. Mm-hmm. It's literally a controlling, I'm going to do this. Now, that's fair in a sense. Of course, I want to help out around the house. I want to help out around the farm. I want to help out wherever. Mm-hmm. But why am I cleaning stalls mm-hmm. when your kids are hanging out at the mall? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a certain disconnect of like, now, wait a minute. Yeah. And again, I say this because this is this is a true story of somebody that opened their house to me. Mm. And it's to the point where, you know, you don't help out around the house. All you do is you come home from school. I was in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. You come home from school and you just watch movies until bed and that's all you do. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> no, I come home from school. Usually I'll watch one movie and then I'll go do my homework or go do chores or do whatever else I need. Mm-hmm. But yes, when you're all getting home from work, I'm in the middle of a movie because I just got home too. So I'm watching a movie mm-hmm. and that would be how I de-stressed. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's not by any means all I do yeah I'm not really sure where you're getting that perception again yeah and so uh, eventually I would I left that that house that I was staying in Mm -hmm. uh, and moved into uh, moved into moved into another (laughs) place uh, stayed in another place Mm. but you know I've slept in my vehicle I've slept under bridges Mm. I've slept in the woods Mm -hmm. like I said I've picked out of trash cans I've volunteered at homeless shelters and then tried to take some food with me afterwards. Hmm. Um, and so it's, it's that kind of idea of mentality mm-hmm. of, you know, just cause someone looks like they don't need help doesn't mean they don't. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, yeah, there are, I don't even say they're doing it manipulatively, but there are people who ask for a dollar and then go turn around and buy alcohol with it. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, so... And so that is an unfortunate reality. But the way I look at that is you can't choose what somebody else does with your love and your generosity. Right, yeah. Now, oftentimes what I'll do is, especially if it's, you know, hey, can I have a dollar to get some food? Mm -hmm. I might say, I can't give you a dollar, but the store is right there. If we want, let's go get some food and I'll put it on my card. Okay, yeah. You know, or there's a McDonald's right here. Let's go get you a meal. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've had people go, okay, and they're awkward and they feel ashamed about it. Mm -hmm. But it's just, I'm not going to give you cash, but you're saying you need money for food. Mm -hmm. Let's go get you some food. Sure. You know, and now, and it's that kind of idea. You say you need this, let's go do it. And I've done it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's kind of the big test. Like, oh, if you want some food, I can go, you know, let's go into the store right here and I'll get you some. Mm -hmm. Um, I had that happen. I was down in in, uh, Waikiki, or not quite Waikiki, a few weeks ago. Mm There was one she wasn't begging, but she very clearly was living on the street. Mm. When I say that, we all know what I mean by when I say she was clearly living on the street. Mm-hmm. She wasn't doing anything. She was in a corner. Mm. Now, yes, she had a little bit of smell to her, mm. and she did not look like polite society. Mm-hmm. But she was literally head down in a corner. Mm. Corner happened to be right by the door. Yeah. So, again, there's that. Was she trying to manipulate people to give her things? Was it, Who knows? Yeah. But the managers were like, you can't be here. You need to leave. Mm. I, was like, I don't have anywhere to go. I understand that, but you can't be here. Mm. You know, so I just was like, you know, ma'am, would you like a burger? Mm. Yeah. And she was like, no, no, that's okay. Mm. I don't want anything. Okay. But I was like, if I buy you a burger and a drink, the manager can't force you to leave. Yeah. You've become a paid customer. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's that kind of ideal too of, you know, maybe you just need to get outside of the weather because it's still even good weather in Hawaii. It's still hot. Yeah. You know, just trying to get into a shade. Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm not perfect too. Like I said, sometimes it's just, I have someplace to be. I'm having a bad day. I don't want to deal with that question. Mm -hmm. You never really know what somebody's going to ask when they start to do things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I might be a large, strong guy, but that doesn't mean somebody who's intoxicated by some substance isn't going to try to jump me anyway. Yeah. You know, so there's all kinds of that. You got to take care of yourself, truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and the unfortunate part is, especially in Waikiki or Kakaako or other places, you can't go five feet without somebody asking you for something, right? Or at least being in your way. Mm-hmm. Is that other unfortunate reality? Yeah. So it's you can't change what people are, who they are, where they're coming from. All you can do is change your interaction with them. Mm-hmm. And maybe. Um by that provide a means to uh, a way but again is that is that your responsibility to try to turn someone around or just help them meet their needs at that moment and at the end of the day it's what are you comfortable with Mm. okay if you're the kind of person who's comfortable walking past every single homeless person and doesn't want to do anything Mm -hmm. that's your right I'm not going to judge you for it Mm mm-hmm now, if you start mocking the people that you're walking past, right. I'm going to have a problem with that because mm-hmm. you don't know their background. Right. You know, one of the things that's often said about homeless is they need to go get a job. <laughs> just go get a job. Okay, yeah, just... Sure. Show What's up. the second question on a job application? Uh, what's your address? What's your address? Ah. If you don't have one, mm-hmm. you're not getting a job. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so that's the unfortunate reality a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had a had a follow up to that, but it's escaped me. It happens, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's so. What's life all about? It's all about love. All I mean, it sounds life. cliched and cheesy and movie, but that is how I try to live my life. I think yeah, you really walked through it and illustrated, you know, the truth, um, the the deeper meaning uh, that you have for it. Um, well, shucks, yeah, we are definitely we're at two and a half hours now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a record. Ooh. Rock on. Uh, no, I've, I've really enjoyed um, this time. Um, thank you for, for coming. Um, maybe we can get you on again before you head out. Sure, whatever you need. Um, I mean, I am getting ready. I have written a book on my life, and I'm still working on the editing and the publishing and the whole thing. Jeez Louise. Um, so, it, yeah, it's not just about a, a two-and-a-half-hour conversation. There's <laughs> literally a book about it because uh-huh. all of the things that have happened in my life. Uh-huh. As one of my friends put it, hmm. nobody should ever have a reason not to come to you, Jenkins, because you've literally dealt with everything possible. Huh. And there's some fair truth to that statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, this book, hopefully... I keep saying by this Christmas, and I feel like I've said that for the last two years since I wrote the book. Uh, but yeah, you know, maybe by this Christmas I can actually get it edited and, and published and actually mm-hmm. put out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is. There's a lot. When you realize how much I've gone through in life, you, you tend to look at somebody different. And even my best friend finally read the first draft, mm. and he's heard every story I've ever had. And even he was <laughs> flipping through it like, how? What? How in the world... <laughs> How are you still alive? Like, how mm. are you not in an asylum, in a hospital, dead mm. by your own choosing or otherwise? Mm. How, how in the world is this? How, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it's just well, because I'm still here for a reason. I got a story to tell. Uh-huh. So, well, that's, that's the whole drive of this podcast is I believe everyone has a story to tell. And we all benefit from telling and hearing stories. So 
Thank you for sharing this little sliver of yours, or this slight survey of yours, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> really enjoyed it. And uh, is there anything else you want to add? Anything else you have to say? Or There's always that last-minute question, and then you always remember on the drive home. Like, yeah. Oh, I should have said that. <laughs> no, the only other thing that I'll, I'll add when it comes to these kind of stories and you know cutting it close kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. is the fact that everybody has their own story. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem you get to in humanity is when you start trying to play the who has it worse game. Oh, yeah. Nobody has it worse. Mm. There are tougher problems. Mm-hmm. There are bigger situations. Mm-hmm. But nobody has it worse. And that's the biggest stigma going back to suicide uh-huh. is, well, it's not as bad as. Yeah. And so that's why with this story, you know, whether you think my story is big, whether you think it's bad, whether you think it's intense whether you think I was abused I don't he's not even talking about abuse that doesn't matter mm. uh, nobody has it worse nobody mm. has it better mm. everybody has experiences sure. the more we can come together and learn from each other's experiences mm-hmm. if I can help your weakness and your strength can help me mm-hmm. that's how we grow as humanity there you go not trying to play who has the bigger weakness yeah absolutely turn strength into weakness don't let your weakness become your strength mm-hmm. nice yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. And I guess we'll cut it right there. <laughs> <laughs>